friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Doing what we can on this show every day to give you the tools, the skills, the ideas you need to make it through another day. Life ain't easy. And our goal is to help you uh, maybe find, find a healthier, happier life for yourself. Welcome to the program. And top of the morning to you. You know, it's uh, we got a great show today. Holy cow! Interesting topics, and you should be saying, Terry. Well, don't we have a great show every day? You should say that. Oh yeah, say that. Go ahead, say that. What you kind of (laughs) did. Don't we have a great show every day? Yeah, but today I'm like I'm super amazed at how great our show will be today. Wow. I don't know why. I just we've had some pretty good guests. I'm telling you, big league. But today you're impressed. Yeah. The other days you were just like, oh, let's hey, get this over with. It's just Governor Levitt. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, right then when I said, I, I just sounded like Oprah. Yeah. And a little Irish thing off the top. With I sounded the top like of the an morning, Irish Oprah. Which is weird. But James, do you agree? Did, did I sound like an Irish Oprah? I kind of have this feeling that you always sound like an Irish Oprah. Like Why? that's the kind of on-air persona to me is Irish Oprah. Well, you know, it's weird. Uh, I'm actually going for a Scottish Jimmy Fallon. Well, you missed. Yeah, you still need to tune that up a bit. I guess I keep working on it. I, I no one's home. Short. Mm-hmm. No one's home, so you can yell and scream all you want. And try to get into character. <laughs> but I do. All of a sudden, when I raise my voice, I sound like Oprah. Nothing wrong with that because she's the bomb. Did you see yesterday they had a power outage in Washington D.C.? She was giving some sort of speech. Oh, was she so, so powerful? She, she as she stands up and starts to starts her her speech, the power just cuts, and everyone's like, "What, <gasps> Oprah? That's the, scary." When the power goes out in the government, but then there was briefings at the State Department. They're trying to do it by iPhone, uh, the the flashlight on the back of the iPhone. They're trying oh, to use wow. that to do. And uh, some had emergency generators, some didn't. Have you ever ridden the subway in oh, Washington, yeah. D.C.? Yeah, yeah. Some of the longest stairs to yeah. walk up. And, yeah. of course, when my wife and I went there, we walked up the stairs. We didn't you use didn't the escalator. Say, yeah. Well, people were walking up the escalator, and they show all these people getting to the top, and they're just exhausted. <laughs> they're like, oh, I had to walk. <laughs> <laughs> You're trapped downstairs because you don't want to walk like, up I'm not walking up there. I'll wait. I'll wait for the power. It's, it's over 100 and some odd stairs going up. It's quite a few. What happened with that? How does power – I mean, that right there – There was there... some overloading of the system. They, they thought maybe someone had attacked it or you know there was a hack because yeah. that's the first thing everyone says is it was hacked. It was totally hacked. Dude. But it wasn't. It was just some sort of power. Our government grinds failure. to a close when the power goes out. Of course. Well, if the power went out, we are half our – like could you pay for anything? You have um, credit cards, right? Yeah. Uh, no, we'd have to do it the old fashioned way. Pull out the, what, the carbon copy and yeah. run it through that. If anyone has those anymore. See, that's the, a lot of places that's don't where even have those that's machines where we're anymore. vulnerable right there. That's right. Mm. Um, what about President Obama's email being hacked? 
by the Russians. That allegedly. is crazy town. Yeah, it says through the, the White House, they previously said the Russian hackers who breached his computer system only accessed the unclassified information. New details suggest the stolen information was still highly sensitive. CNN reports that the breach gave hackers access to non-public details of the president's schedule. The FBI, Secret Service, and U.S. intelligence agencies are investigating the breach, which is thought to have started in the State Department with a phishing email. Mm-hmm. And then it spread to the White House. And, Wasn't it uh, like some Nigerian prince needs money to get yeah. out and, and somebody at the White House said, oh, I'll help. It could, have, I, it could have been something as simple as it looked like it was a legit yeah. email from a government agency or from some other group and yeah. someone clicks on a PDF and See, I it's would, in the system. I'd fall for that. If, they, if, they, yeah. if I got something from Kohl's and it's like, hey, do you want some free Kohl's cash? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I'm in. Like, absolutely. Then they'd hack my email they'd and they'd hack be your email. bored to death. So, yeah, the, pre- the president's schedule was exposed along with some other information that uh, they don't really want out there. Do we? It, it seems like we have a lot of problems here. Are we out causing any problems? I think we're getting just as much as we're dishing out. Yeah, I hope so. Because if you remember, we found out that Israel was trying to spy on the the Iranian yeah. or the Iranian negotiations uh-huh. by because we were spying on them, right? Oh, right. Saying. So we're we're doing this; well, they're doing it. It's and you remember the, German, the Germans other. were all mad because we were eavesdropping in on their conversations, blah yeah. blah blah. And they're listening to us, and <laughs> yeah. So. The neat thing is everybody's spying on everybody. Yeah. So as long as everyone's doing it, it's fine. And they found out what President Obama's going to eat for lunch. And probably they could have found out what he was thinking in the negotiations with Iran. Yeah. They could have found out yeah. how, that. you know, that's crazy. If that was included. Also, it came out the U.S. government started keeping secrets of American uh, international phone calls nearly a decade before September 11th. Really? The uh, National Security Agency the, that, that, that it created the blueprint for the NSA's program that followed. Okay. For more than two decades, the Justice Department and the DEA amassed logs of virtually all telephone calls from the U.S. to as many as 116 countries linked to drug trafficking. The now-defunct operation carried out by the DEA's intelligence arm was the government's first known effort to gather this kind of information. Now, I read a lot of Tom Clancy books, (laughs) and if you watch the movie Clear and Present Danger, they show a computer in Arizona that's listening to phone calls, and that movie came out in the 90s, right? So. When this all started happening and the people started complaining about this, I'm like, yeah, I read it in a book about a decade ago. What's Who cares? The big deal? This so. is it's uh, this is an interesting time to be alive. You you really yeah, there's your no privacy, privacy. It's kind of going out the window. And you either fight it or just go eh, whatever. Jump on board. Hmm. Did you see the uh, South Carolina police officer? Okay, who yeah. shot the uh, individual? Did you see that, James? Mm-mm. Nope. Honestly, the worst. I think it's probably the worst video I've ever seen played on mainstream television. A white South Carolina police officer, Michael Slager, charged with murder Tuesday, hours after law enforcement officials viewed a video that appeared to show him shooting a fleeing man, Walter <sighs> Scott, a 50-year-old. He is, he, is, he is black. He was shot several times in the back. Eight shots were fired. They're not sure how many actually hit him. Yeah. But, again, you watch the video... They, there's a taser that seems to be dropped on the ground. They're not sure if it was deployed or not. And then the cop shoots the guy eight times and he falls down. It was, the like, man's running times. away. 
and the cop pulls a gun and just starts firing. Initial reports, bam, the, bam, the, the bam, police bam, officer bam, said bam, he, bam. He, he feared for his life, but as you see the guy, he's away from him uh, and shoots him eight times it's, or it, shoots at him eight times. It's It just appeared to be cold-blooded murder. Just The, the mayor of uh, North Charleston, who the police officer worked for in that, that city, said that the officer made a bad decision. Uh, Scott was stopped for a broken taillight. The patrolman found that he had an outstanding warrant for a back child support. And then, however, the <sighs> events could transpire to the point where he gets shot at eight times and then is, is pronounced dead soon after. And then, But he got there and he kept pretending – or not pretending, but saying, hold still, hold – like yeah. the guy was dead. The police officer reported that Scott took his taser – and there was some sort of scuffle, and so the policeman feared for his life and then fired the gun. And there was a moment, though, right when the man started to run away and he started to shoot, that something flew behind the officer that looked like the taser. They think the taser is there. They're not sure if like he had shot the taser and it shoots out two prongs with wires connected to the taser. Is that connected no. to Scott as he's it's running tragic. away, or did the cop just drop the taser on the ground? Again, this is so. – and this, of all things, this is going to – this will make – this is going to make this is a make or break moment because there now there's video. It's going to enrage, I'm sure, the African American community, and it should. There's and, protests planned for this morning, and they should be. It's just cold blooded murder. But at the same time, unlike other situations, this police officer's already been in court. Yeah, he's been fast. arraigned. He's in the prison jumpsuit. Yeah, they made sure that this has been. And public there's no and band of brothers it. supporting him on no. this. This is pretty. Oh, it's just sad. That it's just and. This father who had the warrant because he hadn't paid child support will now not be paying child support. And so, I mean, this is – and again, I'm a guy who's constantly battling deadbeat dads to take care of their families. And yet this guy uh, – this is not how it's supposed to go down. And in a story we followed uh, – we're talking about yesterday, Ferguson City Council added two additional African-American council awesome. members Tuesday for the total of three out of six – the uh, city more than doubled its voter turnout na- uh, with the election. Excellent. Good Tw- job, Ferguson. 29% turnout. Still nothing. It's normally an average of 12%. They were predicting 10. So they killed and it. And so still, <laughs> still high third. turnout is 29%. Oh, come on. But you know what? It's the beginning. So 30, uh, 50% of their council now is... Three of six. Which still seems crazy because the majority are blacks. It's a majority black yes. community. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's better, I guess. You know, slow, yeah. slow and steady wins the race. Um, wow. Well, good job, Ferguson. You upped it. That's great. We got to do something about this, folks. And cops are going to have to step up and somehow bridge this gap to communities. Communities are going to start wondering even more what's going on. Hey, great guest coming up. Dr. Tim Grossclose is going to be used, uh, joining us. He is. He's an economics professor that has been studying media bias. We are talking media bias. Is there a left-wing media bias? Do you sense that the media is as liberal as everybody thinks? We're going to be talking about it. Getting the real numbers, one of the only studies out there, uh, uh, trying to figure out this bias. Uh, Tim Grossclose will be joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after this break.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, uh, we're talking about media bias. Is there a liberal media bias? Are they skewed to the left? That's what you hear all the time. Is there a right-wing media conspiracy? Well, we may not get into the conspiracy side of it, but we will start to understand better uh, if there is an actual media bias uh, who better to help us than a professor that has actually studied it? But you'd think it would be a journalism professor that's done the research. Uh, in this case, no, it's Dr. Tim Grossclose, who's a professor of economics at George Mason University. He's here uh, to talk about the, his research in media bias. Dr. Grossclose, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Great to be here. Thanks, Matt. Loved, uh, I loved your study and, and um, just the learning behind it. Now, you used to be at UCLA, right? That's right. And then you wrote, uh, you did a study with UCLA and uh, another professor from the University of Missouri? That's right. Yes. Uh, Jeff Milo is his name. Jeff Milo. Now tell me, how come economists are studying media leanings? Well, good question. Part of it is the, the, the thing that we did in our study is to quantify everything. So we actually come up with a number to say this is the slant of these different outlets, and uh, it's a number between 0 and 100, where 50, uh, we say, is what it represents uh, perfectly centrist in the United States. And then uh, we compare this to vote scores of politicians. So in the end, we can say things like, the New York Times gets a 75 by our scale, and that 75 it gets it equals the the vote score of Joe Lieberman. So hmm. then we in the end we can conclude that New York the average New York Times article sounds about like a Joe Lieberman speech. <laughs> That's great. Uh, that is it's about that liberal. And but, so the, the, yeah, the, the, so the key is we just wanted to quantify everything, and so it, it, it takes. Um, uh, some pretty uh, complex uh, statistical techniques, and I, I think the the average uh, journalism professor wouldn't learn this. And I'm not even I, I taught political science at UCLA. I, well, I was joint, but I was, uh, economics and political science, but mainly political science at UCLA. I, I think even in political science, most political scientists don't learn quite enough statistical techniques right. to do this, but but economists do. Well, and I, to me, it's it actually is the perfect fit, and also because you're not going to try to defend journalism. You're not there to – you don't have a, a horse in the journalism race. You just want the data and the numbers. That's right. Yes. I, you we also – a, a, a computer spits out these numbers. Exactly. And you yeah. compare it though – this is what I think is powerful too is because you compare it to politicians and That's they're right. they're basically – their voting record. You, is the – is it the a, ADA? Yeah, the ADA, the Americans is – that the, is that the gauge you use? Yeah, it's called the, the Americans for Democratic Action. It turns out there's a lot of vote scores we could have used, but um, th- there's a number of interest groups that, that that do these vote ratings of politicians. And the one that's been doing it the longest is the Americans for Democratic Action. They've been doing it since 1947. That's the one most commonly used by political scientists, and so that's one we pick. We could have done American Conservative Union. Uh, there's several others that we could have done, and they would have given about the same results. Has, has there been a backlash for you um, professionally for your in your findings and with your findings, has the media do the, does the media like what you're doing, or are they a little frustrated by you? 
they mostly ignored it. Uh, they, of you know, yeah. In fact, I, I had hopes that I kind of knew this that you know once we got the results and showed that yeah, the, the you know the conservatives were basically right on this issue. The media, the mainstream media outlets are uh, left leaning. I thought there would be at least one editor out there, like at L.A. Times or yeah. New York Times, that you know these guys uh, make some sense, and you know even though maybe I don't agree with all their conclusions, this is something that every journalist should read. And uh, if nothing else, just the, the kind of uh, the first four or five chapters of my book called the Distortion Theory of of Bias, how uh, often the bias comes in by what you fail to report mm-hmm. truths. That you fail to report rather than reporting false stories, and um, I thought an editor would do that. And, I, and in fact, I think if the Rolling Stone editors were smart, they would have all of their readers read this. And the Columbia Journalism School didn't catch a lot of the things that le- led to this bias. I think every professor at the Columbia Journalism School should read this. I'd hope something like that would happen, but but no. So <laughs> they, they, they just tried to pretend uh, this research uh, yeah, doesn't exist. La, 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 just kind of push it under the rug. Exactly. Um, but it seems like – so in the end, your research validates that there is a more less Left-leaning media bias. That's right. That's and, right. But I should say there's some qualifiers. You know, I, I say the conservatives were basically right. I, they may have overstated it a bit. Uh, by our measures, the the average mainstream outlet gets a score of something like a 60 or 70 hmm. on this scale. Uh, on the scale, 50 is perfectly centrist. Nancy Pelosi is 100, <laughs> and so they're actually the, the mainstream media. They're actually closer to being. Oh, even though they're left leaning, yeah. they're closer to being centrist than they are sounding like a, a, a Nancy Pelosi. So, so yeah, they're definitely left leaning. You, you could maybe even call them left leaning moderates in, right. in their slant, but but they're they're not. Perfectly centrist. So the average media outlet is about sixty-one to seventy on that scale. What is the average citizen? About fifty. It, so, is uh, is it really scale, fifty? Okay. Yeah. So we come up with an estimate, and in, in particular, fifty point four is okay. our estimate of the average citizen. It's about the same score that Arlen Specter had <laughs> when he was a Republican yeah. senator from Pennsylvania. Interesting. Republicans called him a rhino. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of differ on that. I think he was. Definitely a Republican, maybe barely a Republican, but but he was very, very pretty much right in the center. Well, then he swung Democrat and voted with the Democrats. I mean, as far as his the sides, he uh, he went to both sides, which is that's right fifty point four. When, when he but when he became a Democrat, um, he didn't go that far left. He was still about a sixty seven. Oh, was he? Okay, once he was a Democrat. This is to me the the most interesting part of the data is um, it's not even. That there is a liberal media bias. It's some of the things or the media sources that we feel so strongly are either conservative or liberal. Your research shows isn't true. They're not as liberal as you think. And right. and the Wall Street Journal, for example, that everybody kind of holds up as the conservative source of information, it really is more liberal leaning in the news side of it. But the That's editorial right. side is so. Uh, conservative leaning that it, it I guess it's it kind of balances it out. Yeah, but we found yeah the news pages. Um, now our data all came from the early two thousands, and maybe it's changed a little bit since uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch bought it. Right. Uh, but it, during that time, at least by our our uh, statistical measures, the the news pages. 
of the Wall Street Journal were about the same as the the news pages of the New York Times. And um, we were a little surprised by that at first, but once I started doing some research, I've, I've, I've got lots and lots of anecdotal evidence that, that backs that up. That, uh, for instance, the the news writers at the Wall Street Journal and the editorial page writers apparently just hated each other. Some people <laughs> have, have likened it to North versus South Korea. Uh, really? Yeah. That's um, interesting. Well, it's fun so, because like everybody thinks public television is so liberally skewed, except in your research, you're finding out that public television and radio, it's, it's fairly conservative. That's we found that uh, – so in the early 2000s, it was the, the, the Lair, Jim Lehrer News Hour, yeah. and we found that was almost perfectly centrist. It got a score of something like 54. Oh, wow. So on this 100-point scale, only four points to the left, almost exactly on, on the 50. And we found uh, NPR – I can't remember the exact number, but something like uh, um, 63 that – although definitely left-leaning, it was yeah. not as far left as New York Times and definitely not as far left as a Nancy Pelosi speech. I mean we found NPR probably not as, as uh, left-leaning as a lot of conservatives would say. Hmm. I mean and again, it, you know, everybody thought Jim Lehrer was – the most liberal anti whatever you know anyway it's it just shows us that we're biased aren't we um yeah in some way i mean in know, our consumption I, if i'm if i'm a 30 on the scale from 0 to 100 and i'm more conservative then i might think anything that's 50 or above is incredibly liberal i think that's that happens i think that that we all tend to uh uh, kind of overstate uh, the liberalness, and I think that's one – maybe one contribution of our study is that basically all the media, uh, the mainstream media and uh, Fox News and um, so-called conservative newspapers like Washington Times are all a little more centrist mm. than I think lots of people are saying. Um, uh, but but still, all of them, none of them are, are perfectly centrist, right. and, and you know all the mainstream outlets we we do find are at least left leaning. Well, it's it's an interesting discussion. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Dr. Tim Grossclose. He is a professor at George Mason University and a researcher in media bias. He's the author of two books: Cheating and Insiders Report on the Use of Race in in Admissions at UCLA. And also Left Turn, How Liberal Media Bias Distorts the American Mind. We're going to take a break. We're going to come right back, continue this discussion. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about media bias, and uh, we're talking with Dr. Tim Grossclose, a professor of economics at George Mason University. He's here to talk to us about uh, some of his research and a a recent book, Left Turn, How Liberal Media Bias Distorts the American Mind. He currently lives in northern Virginia with his wife and two children. The study came out of UCLA while he was working there, and... uh, I, I really appreciate the fact that, man, people the, the, the sites, Tim, that I go see, for example, Drudge Report, Huffington Post are two fairly kind of prominent uh, sources of media. We'd always think that the Huffington Post is really liberal. 
Uh, Drudge Report is obviously so, so conservative. What would your research say? Uh, let's see. I didn't examine the Huffington Post. Uh, it, it didn't exist when yeah. we were uh, doing this analysis. But yeah, I would. I look at it and I think, yeah, it's, it's probably to the left of the New York Times. Even we, we did examine the Drudge Report. We found it very centrist, even slightly left leaning. Really. Now that said, I, I, I want to give a couple caveats to that. Uh, just about all the data we have are from the articles to which Matt Drudge links. Okay. So, you know, there's maybe one or two in there that the stories he wrote, but but basically, you know, because Matt Drudge is linking to the New York Times, Washington uh-huh. Post, and, and lots of the mainstream news outlets, his it, – it, it'd be no surprise if, if the Drudge Report were, were basically an average of all the mainstream media. It's it's not quite as, as left as that, um, but uh, it's it was something like a 50 – Five or fifty-seven, I think. Interesting. Uh, now that said, I also think that Matt Drudge's headlines—they uh, appear to me to be kind of right-leaning. But, uh-huh. but the, the data we use all came from the content that Matt Drudge linked to, not, okay. not his headlines. Yeah. So uh, you know, if some people say, "Oh, yeah, his headlines—they seem so conservative," well, that's because our data didn't include the headlines. So, I guess that's editorial, you know, right? That would be the editor putting that in. Yeah. And here's here's what happens with Matt Drudge. I, I noticed this with a lot of the you – know, there may be some story from the Washington Post, and the headline and the lead two paragraphs will be something that are pleasing to liberals or something that – you know facts that liberals all want you to know about. But in, say, like the, the eighth paragraph, there may be some sentence that is really breaking news, and it's this incredible fact that conservatives want everyone to know about. Huh. Well, what will often happen is, is Matt Drudge will Make that eighth paragraph his headline, headline. on his report, yep. right? And and so uh, and so in some ways, you know what Matt Drudge is saying is conservative news, but you, you've got to wade through those, you know, the first, second, and third, and fourth paragraphs of the Washington Post, which are often liberal news to to get to that. So, um, you know, I, I do want to say there's some caveats. I think that our our measure of you know something like a 57 for Matt Drudge may. At least to a small degree, overstate its liberalness. I think it's a little more conservative than what we report. Okay, is it when you think of give us maybe the top two or three uh, most liberal outlets and the top two or three most conservative outlets? Uh, well, okay. Now, our study we only looked at twenty, yeah. and so you know, in, among those twenty, uh, we, we found uh, Washington Times as the most conservative uh, news outlet. We only looked at one Fox News show, and that was Special Report. And when it was still uh, anchored by Brit Hume, that was the second most conservative. Yeah, just my casual observation, you know, the, the Hannity show was you know something. It would be a very very conservative. What outlet. number do you it, think it would be on the one to one hundred scale? I think the Hannity show sounds about like a typical Republican speech, yeah. and it, it maybe even to the right of that, and that would be about a 15 on wow. our scale. Yeah. So every once in a while, Hannity will have on a liberal guest, which would make it balance it you know, slightly in the, the higher direction. You may, might give it a 20, but I actually think even Hannity, he, he, he doesn't call himself a Republican. He says, I'm a conservative. Yeah. He means he's yeah. the right. So it might even be lower than that 15. It might be 5 or 10. And, and I, I guess that's what they're doing. So, so you would say uh, special report with Brit Hume, that was fairly – that's fairly centrist. 
Right. That was about a 40 on, on our scale. So only 10 points right of center. Okay. And then some, give us some more um, – what, what would be some more of the, the liberal – the most liberal s- sources? Um, Okay, so uh, in our sample, we found uh, Wall Street Journal news pages is very liberal. Another one was New York Times. I think that was yeah. the second. That was a 75. So as I said, that's about like a Joe Lieberman speech. Mm-hmm. New York Times, they're not quite as liberal as like a Nancy Pelosi speech. Uh, and then also uh, CBS Evening News, when we did our study, Dan Rather was the host. Uh, we didn't look at MSNBC. Uh, MSNBC at the time was a, a very small news station. It was actually a pretty moderate. Yeah, do you before. remember? It was just up and coming. Right. Uh, but since then, if, if we do it today, you know, if I, I think if I analyze the Rachel Maddow show, that it would be definitely to the left of the New York Times. I mean, I, I think the Rachel Maddow show does sound about like a Nancy Pelosi speech. Wow. So, so, so yeah, it would be, 80, 90, 100. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, very left. Uh, and then uh, talk radio, I think. You know, Rush Limbaugh show would sound about like the uh, average Republican speech. It would be uh-huh. a, a 10 or 15 on this scale. If uh, It will help us understand that. How come, for example, in talk radio, there it's so popular on the conservative side, um, and yet, you know, it, it, it's liberals can't seem to pull it off with the same type of numbers? You know, that's been a mystery to me uh, for a long time. I, I've, I've seen two talks by uh, Hugh Hewitt, the, uh, the yeah. great uh, radio host in, in L.A., and people have asked him that. And the first talk, he said something. One, I think it's partly just that um, there's, there's kind of this uh, kind of network effect that um, uh, Rush Limbaugh started it, and then people started listening to talk radio and then people just kind of have the conservatives have their dials yeah. tuned to AM. Yeah, and they then, can't so change. So when another conservative comes on, they they find more success. Hugh Hewitt also talked about um, he talked about how Air America just how bad they were at talk radio. He was talking about things like these talk radio hosts just kind of understand like a tease. You say well, here's you know a, t- a subject we're going to talk about on the next hour, right? And Air America just wasn't doing that. They they didn't have like the special knowledge to, to make it <laughs> to tease and it enough. A, a third factor, and I, I guess this is true. This Hugh Hewitt claims that that NPR. Now I don't find it super left, but but it's definitely uh, to the left. That that just seems to be what all liberals listen to. Hmm. So when a person tries to start a liberal talk radio station, all of their potential listeners are already listening to, to NPR. They have a hard time getting them to, to switch. Interesting. So that's why these uh, liberal talk radio shows don't don't work that well. That said, though, there are a few. There's uh, Tom. Heart, our heart. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, uh, Bill Press, uh-huh. um, Alan Combs yeah. actually has a show. Uh, there's a few out there. A few people have made it as liberals in talk radio, but but yeah, you're right. It is completely dominated uh, by by conservatives. We're talking with Dr. Tim Grossclose, a professor of economics at George Mason University and author of the book Left Turn: How Liberal Media Bias Distorts the American Mind. You can also go to his website, uh, timgrossclose.com, to get more information and just information on it, on all the things that he's done. Um, talk to us just a little bit about if we wanted to have a pretty centrist view, 
And, you know, all of the different media options, you know, the MSNBC to go liberal, Fox News to go conservative. What would be a really good dose that we should, you know, what what are some sources we could go to if we wanted to create a fairly balanced view? Well, my favorite is a special report on Fox News. I I think not only is that a very balanced, uh, it's also very highbrow. The Sometimes uh, the, the the hosts are talking about some economics concepts that I didn't learn until I was in grad school, actually. Mm. Now, I find that's about a 40, so that's right of center. So if you wanted a balance, I would recommend you know watch an hour of a special report. And then it turns out the, uh, the network evening newscasts are about a 60. They're maybe 60 or 65. If you watch, say, uh, 30 minutes of the NBC network news and 30 minutes of ABC network news, mm. balance that with the hour of special report. Now, it's two hours a day. That's a yeah. lot of news watching. But that would you'd get a, a pretty balanced uh, view. But maybe and, uh, I guess uh, that's it, huh? That you probably have to take a little bit of everything to create the balance because no one's going to just hit 50 percent. Right. Exactly. And and I guess Um, that's the key, too, is you've found CNN has one show that's fairly, you know, maybe more moderate and ABC has one. And it's kind of a mix of all of them, really. That's right. You know, I do find – let's see. That uh, that said, yes, if if there are some uh, centrist uh, outlets. Drudge Report, I think, is pretty centrist. Also – all of the outlets that seem to report on Congress, like The Hill, Congressional mm. Quarterly, Roll Call, I find those to be very, very centrist. I also think that uh, Politico – I know a lot of yeah. conservatives will call that to the left, but I, yeah. I find it uh, very centrist, and, and uh, it, it, that's one place I, I, I like to go to get my news. What about Real Clear Politics? Have you studied that? I do. I actually go there uh, oh, yeah. almost every day. I like to look, and I think they do a good job. At, they will uh, almost to a fault. They will find you know uh, some topic, and they will find a left wing opinion uh-huh. op ed, and then a right wing op ed on it. Uh, and so uh, I think they are very very good at, at being centrist. I'm. I would even say it might even be uh, slightly to the right. Um, yeah. uh, I'm biased, but I think that their conservative authors that they link to are a little bit smarter than some of the – they, they uh-huh. link all the time to Salon, which I think is not only left-wing. <laughs> it's just not a very smart news outlet. Yeah. I think there are some smart news outlets on the left. It just – Real Clear Politics doesn't always link to them. So um, I, I might even put Real Clear Politics slightly to the right. My, my hunch is if I did a, a, a statistical, statistical analysis of it, they would be something like a 45, something mm. like five points. Right. Oh, interesting. What, uh, as, an ec- as an economics professor, what, what, what do you think money and you know, finances, how is that impacting the bias or the swing? You know, everyone talks about that, and so on the left, they'll say things like, oh, the Koch brothers, you know, they're right. going to buy some news outlet. In my book, uh, I actually didn't write about it. Well, in my book, I interviewed uh, – I did a case study of this L.A. Times article, which I thought was slightly biased to the left, and uh, I interviewed the author of it. And I didn't report this, but in my first questions to her, I asked her about why she went into journalism. And I just, you know, as an economist, I'm always curious about this, you know, to what extent wages are, are important in, in people's career decisions. And, and she said, that, you know, as soon as she was out of college, she wanted to be a journalist. And mm. I said, 
I just picked a random career. I said, you know, what about assistant manager of Applebee's? I just wanted some restaurant. Yeah. I said, suppose you had made it, it had an offer for, as that job, but you'd make double the salary as you would have made as a journalist. Would you have taken? Would that be enough to persuade you? She said, no. I said, well, what a triple? And I just kept going up and up, yeah. and, you know, a hundred times. She said, no, no, I wanted to be a journalist, no matter what the Interesting. pay. Yeah. And. So when people talk about journalists being swayed by you know, the money coming from their publisher, I, I just don't put much stock in that. I think that they are so ideologically driven and, and so driven just by the desire to be a good journalist that I, I don't think the money is going to influence them. It's, it's going to bias their, their reporting. I think they've got their ideological stripes, and, and they're not going to change. Yeah. All, all a publisher or the owner of a news outlet can do, the only influence he or she has is who he or she hires. Yeah. And some people say, well, oh, you know, they're, they're so influential. And my next question would be, well, if they're so influential, why are they hiring so many liberals? I mean, at all the um, uh, mainstream news outlets, um, the, the journalists that lean left outnumber those who lean right something like 93 to 7. So, Interesting. Uh, um, um, and it's there. Yeah, you, I, you can't argue with the data. Exactly, and that was my whole point of, of that of that book. Is just say, hey, let's look a, a cold hard look at the data. And it's also interesting too that it's not getting more play. I mean, I guess it's not interesting. It's just the reality is let's not go there. <laughs> let's not expose that. But the reality too, I guess, is people know it. They feel it, and um, I, I think if if they were just more direct with us and. I mean, your numbers are really telling. Sixty-one to seventy percent is the average media outlet. That's not like incredibly liberal leaning. That's more moderate. Yeah, you know. In fact, here's I've had like so many conversations. Well, it will go like this. I will say, oh, the New York Times is left leaning, and they will say, oh, how can you say that? They are corporatist and blah blah mm-hmm. blah. And then eventually, I'll just ask this person. I'll say, now. You know, and they'll say, oh, New York Times has a conservative bias. And I'll say, I bet you also think that Joe Lieberman has a conservative bias, that he's a conservative. Totally, right. Yes. Oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> Joe Lieberman. And I'll say, well, you know what? In some ways, we don't disagree. It's just a semantical difference. Yeah. I find New York Times it sounds just like a Joe Lieberman speech. And they'll say, oh, yeah, okay, I can agree with that. And I'll say, but I'm calling Joe Lieberman left of center – because of these vote score ratings, right? And they'll, and I'll say, how can you say that? And and I'll say, well, you just look at look what he voted do for. these surveys, voters. The, the average voter in America is definitely to the right of Joe Lieberman. That's where people don't understand, especially if you go to one of the major cities of you know, like yeah. Los Angeles, New York. They think the average person in their city. Is a moderate. And I say, no, that is not the way it is at all. You've got to get out more, and that's kind of the uh, the uh, last chapter of my book is how I talk about how I have so much more respect for politicians than journalists, and that's part of the reason is because journalists can be in this cocoon of only these kind of cosmopolitan New Yorkers who are all progressive, and and uh, meanwhile the pol- the 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 liberal politicians are all in – lots of them are in Congress where right. they're having to interact with Republicans Everybody, at right. the time. Yes. Oh, it's, it, it is fascinating. And I think, I think the comparison to the politician 
and the media. I think that's just a great gauge. It's a perfect way to do it. Dr. Tim Grossclose, we appreciate you joining us and uh, would suggest everybody go check out that book, Left Turn, How Liberal Media Bias Distorts the American Mind. Also go to his website, uh, timgrossclose.com. Ah, the data's out, my friends. So there is a, a left-leaning bias. And uh, don't always assume that just because something seems conservative that it is or something seems liberal that it is, the, the reality is there might also be uh, certain parts of every paper that still uh, can uh, offer something to all of us. We'll take a break, my friends. Again, you're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Okay, problem solved. Yes, there is a media bias. Not this incredibly horrible bias, but there is a media bias. No, duh. Hello. Great uh, research, though, by Tim uh, Grossclose. If the network you're watching tells you they're unbiased, but everyone else is biased. That's bias. Is that bias? That's bias. And the network that says that they're not biased, but they are, but they don't say they are, they're also biased. Okay. Problem solved. A little confused, but uh, I think that's kind of the point. (laughs) You know what? Some people are going to be saying, hey, why doesn't YouTube have anything on Rand Paul's latest election or latest uh, announcement? Because they're biased. They're biased. No. No. They're they're biased in copyright infringement, but... They so, try to be let everyone have their say. So Rand Paul announces he's going to run for president. The biggest event of his life, probably had it planned for months. And what happened? Well, he talked about unconstitutional surveillance, and yeah. he talked about how he wants to uh, introduce term limits for Congress members, and you know things that people would agree with. Lots of cheering. Lots of cheering. Yeah, his dad on also, a leash. Also, ISIS and radical Islam bad. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> he, he said that, so that's, that's a bad thing. But um, supporters uh, can donate to the cause using Bitcoin. Okay. So he's trying to show that, you know, I'm open to new Cyber ideas. He's, he's hip. The he's, cryptocurrencies that we were talking about. Did he about. say anything about Coles Cash? Nothing about Coles Cash. Okay, so he's but, obviously not domesticated enough to know about Coles Cash. But okay. Bitcoin, he's he's big on Bitcoin. The video of Rand Paul's announcement on YouTube was pulled last night because he used a song by country singer John Rich. It's called Shutting Detroit Down. Oh, Apparently wow. it's, it's a Wall Street protest type song. But he used that song without permission in his campaign announcement. Oh, so they had to pull that because you got a permission to use music and you put it out like that. So they're going to – oh, sad. So, so he has the big announcement, spends a lot of money. Boom. It's and, out there. He would love it on YouTube so everyone could link to it. It's a great piece of media work and he can't use it. So they may have to go back and just drop the audio during that song. Well, or go to this this – country singer guy and throw him a little yeah that's the other solution room. probably the one they'll go for is t- toss some money his way because you have to pay for products that's how we keep it. james quiet right just toss him a couple dollars some, some you know brand muffins a cole's cash gift card <laughs> cole's cash gift card no way dude some eggs but after his announcement 
people went to his website, went yeah. to Ron Paul's website. He has a bunch of, I guess you'd call it swag. Swag. Just stuff. He has a bunch of branded material that you could purchase this with is how his they make name money. on it. One of them is an NSA spy cam blocker. <laughs> so on the top of your computer, you have that little camera. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gives you a little, it's, it's a little piece of plastic that you clip over your computer and you just slide it over the top. So essentially it's a piece of tape that you just yeah. tape over your camera. Well, but it's, it's branded Rand Paul. So yes. it, has, it probably has his name on it. It he- says Rand. <laughs> so you get a branded piece of plastic to cover up your camera on your computer. Well, you know who needs to buy that? That's our, the White House. Right. Probably what, ought to go buy a bunch of those. What would you pay for that? Oh, for that little Rand slider, I would yeah. pay dozens of dollars. Fifteen. Yeah, that's what I'd That's pay. the going price for it. Um, there's an autographed copy of the Constitution. Isn't it? It's not an original. No, it's a, a like a pocket A copy. replica. Okay. Autographed by Rand Paul. Mr. Rand Paul. Right on the cover. I'd pay 20 bucks for that. That's the Constitution. $1,000. I meant 1000 bucks. <laughs> Are you serious? 1000 bucks. See, so this is how he's going to raise money. So come by. Uh, hey, you pay me a grand, I'll give you a signed copy of the Constitution. In Kentucky, Ohio, different areas of the country, there's a beanbag game that's kind of popular. You have a like a, a piece of plywood, cut a hole in it, and you stand back and you, you chuck bean bag. beanbags. Yeah, it's huge. You can get one with his name on it. It's only a hundred dollars. It's great. You can toss play the bean some, bag. Some bean bag toss. It's only for insiders, though. So insiders have probably already bought a constitution that's signed. Sure. So what's another hundred dollars after you have a thousand dollar constitution? At what point do they actually just throw in the sliding NSA spy cam? Maybe that's card? yeah. Maybe that's a bonus buy. Yeah. Yeah. Do they, do they ever throw in a set of knives? No, there's no knives. There's no sumo or sumo. Samurai knives or swords. Okay. Um, Rand Paul beats headphone skins. Wow. Really? So kids, you know, they're out yeah, there. They're they hip. have their headphones. They're hip. They're listening to music. So you have skins, which are basically some stickers or Doesn't that Dr. type of thing. Doesn't Dr. Dre own that? Yes. So I'm not sure if there's some copyright so, issues. So, but. but Rand uh, is going after the Dr. Dre. Yes. So across the top of the headphones, it'll it'll say conservative. Uh-huh. Right? And then right above the, the ear piece, it'll say Rand with the stickers you can put on your, your headphones. Those are 20 bucks. Wow, that's, that's a good stickers. deal. I mean, that's a great sticker deal. And then there's a ladies Constitution T-shirt. And, you know, you have Rand yeah. on the shirt. And then the Constitution elements of the Constitution written in different. All over the shirt. Oh, yeah, all over the T-shirt. So What's that going for? 40 for a T-shirt that probably cost five bucks. You know, what? I'm going to buy that for my wife. You want the T-shirt? Yeah, five bucks, Rand Paul. Interesting. There's all he's a, he's an eye doctor. Yeah. So they have an eye chart. Get an eye chart. This is Rand Paul in the letter, so you can sit there and test See, your but eyes. This is the marketing of a campaign. Marketing? Yeah. It used to be they just make the buttons and give everyone a button, but now you're you know we're going to spy raise, cam blocker. We're going to raise it. money doing it. Interesting stuff, my friends. Hour number one. It's in the books. Thanks for being with us. We're going to come back next hour. More fun, more insights right here on the Matt Townsend Show.
morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to hour number two of Townsend Palooza. This sounds weird. Welcome to the program, folks. Uh, got a great show for you today. Have you ever felt like uh, you just got too much clutter in your life? I have so much clutter, I have two computers on my desktop. Two. <laughs> I like to run uh, redundant systems just in case I have a breakdown. Is that the word, redundancy? Yes. That's what I like to do. You're going for the dual screen experience. Actually, don't have. I have two, two screens. It's two Actually, separate computers. It's yes. two systems. Two entirely separate systems. No shared screen. I mean, that'd be great. I could have two systems on one screen. I've asked my uh, my IT experts here, and they look at me like, "Why would you want that?" I have two screens. You have two screens on my desk. I love it. Hey, do you, can I borrow one? No, they're both in use right now. One has my email. The other has you know. I'm looking my for internet. another. I'm looking for two screens. Two screens. All right. If I could just have one of yours and, and one maybe of, one. James, that can I get one of your screens? No, I have four, but yeah. I'm using all of them. You're a screen hog. Nah. I need every single one of these screens. They're it's, all being used at yeah, the moment. Yeah, pretty important. Wow. I, I just have a laptop screen. That shuts off every minute and a half. It shuts off every minute and a half, and I can't remember my password to get in, so I have to call IT. Now, mm-hmm. it's great when you have Chuck Sims who works uh, – he's in charge of basically all IT for the world or BYU Broadcasting. He, Same thing. He'll know my password. Yes. He'll, he'll be like, oh, he, yes. You know what's great about him? He'll know it off the top of his head. He'll just like, oh, there you go. He's, he's a pro. Like, how did you remember my password? He's like, Matt, come on. Love Monkey 2018. <laughs> who, who has that Who's going to forget password? that? Anyway. Uh, good stuff. Here's a question I need you guys to answer. So today when I was driving in, it's dark. No one's mm. driving because it's so early and, you know, mm. no one's supposed to be up that early. When I get on BYU campus um, – and I pass that sign that says campus to the world or whatever. What's it? What's the phrase? Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. It's a great phrase. And I pass it and I'm like, that's true. And now I'm on the campus to the world or whatever. And um, The world is our campus. The world is our campus. Yeah, there you go. I had to get it right there. Thanks, James. Um, when I, They have a red light that I stop at. You're not allowed – you're not supposed to turn right on until, unless it's green. Okay. It's specific – you can't turn right. Okay. So if I'm there on a red light, no one else is around. Just no go. one. Just go. No one. I can't look go. left. I look do. right. I look right. I look left. I look front. I look back. I call the police station. Nobody's coming. There's no police in the area. I look Just go. Who's going to know? I can't go. Who's going to know? I'm on the campus to the world. Who's going to know? Who's going to know is yeah. you know who. Does he care? That's what I'm trying to figure out. He's got other things to do. I'd love Very to open the phone job. lines on this one because I see people wanting to cross the street at BYU at 9 in the morning yeah. or at 7, 6 in the morning, and they won't cross. They just stand there and wait. Because the crosswalk's <laughs> not chirping yet. I just go. So I'm like, well, if they're not going to go, I'm not going to go. So we all just sit there. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Can you just be too obedient? Yeah. I don't know. Think about it. I don't just, have an answer Just go. Just be a rebel. Have one of those rebellious moments and no. just go. Just drive. See, look at you. You are the devil. No. You are the devil tempting me. I just can rationalize. Justify. Do you, so just you, go. Do you go? Would you go? No, I sit there and wait. 
Yeah, you wait too. James, would you go? Uh, I'd probably wait. But walking, I, I do go. I, I admit. I don't wait for the walk so you, sign. So you would jaywalk, basically. No, I use the crosswalk. That's, that's a straight But what line. if it's something like in my, my situation when my kid was born? Four in the morning. Oh, you go. We're flying across town. I didn't stop for a red light. Well, anytime, although... well, yeah. If you've got a pregnant lady that's water has broken, it's yeah. a, that's a free ticket. But then at that point, the rest of the time when I'm driving to work at four in the morning, I'm like, why am I waiting? There's what nobody here. Yeah. But you don't have a pregnant woman in your car. Right. That's why when my wife was pregnant, free ticket. We'd always carry just a cup of water and <laughs> just toss it on the ground. <laughs> whenever we just officer. That's great. Okay. What, hey, if you feel that you can do that and have a clear conscience. Well, I wouldn't do it. My wife would do it. Well, still. I'd tell her to. I'd say, here's the water. You're associated. We just got pulled over. You got to do something. Is that bad? Yes. That seems bad. Yes. We probably ought not tweet that out. Let's not be tweeting that out, Brandon. Don't be tweeting that. Okay. Well, that's my question. So uh, I guess the answer is no, unless you have a pregnant woman in the car. And a cup of water. Anything else? Well, right now, there's a lot of controversies in this country when it comes to politics. Yes. No matter what happens, someone has a differing opinion. Someone runs in front of a microphone and turns something, kind of blows it out of proportion. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get a lot more of that as we ramp up into a presidential election season. We have two candidates already in the game. And Hillary Rodham Clinton on the way. So someone's going to say something. Someone's going to be yeah. offended, run to a microphone. On Monday, David Cameron, Prime Minister of Britain, mm-hmm. did something, as they're calling here, very brave. The British Prime Minister, facing what is likely to be an extremely close race for re-election on May 7th, went to a voter's garden, so backyard, yeah. and had a meal, kind of like a barbecue. Sure, just right? a little just, barbecue. We it, talk about that all the photo time. Photo ops, people sit down with, with, with the everyday voter type of thing and they have a me a meal with him he allowed the british press to take a photograph of him eating the meal oh boy braver still he ate a hot dog with a fork oh boy so you have a hot dog yeah and i'm like was this a british hot dog is this different than what we is this and, a brat and so you go in no it was a hot dog it had a bun it looked just like any hot dog you've ever eaten he ate it with a fork and the reason he did that is because there was another politician recently that was eating a, sa- a bacon sandwich of some kind, and you're you know you're chewing, yeah, and there's a wanna, weird face, and a photographer took a, a picture. He looks like he's in this weird look, and it went everywhere in Britain, and he was embarrassed because he made a face while he was eating a sandwich, and so they're like, "You're letting the media in to take pictures," and then he eats a sandwich or eats a eats a hot dog with eats a, fork. a hot dog with a fork and so the, now the message is he's not the common man no. because he has to eat with a fork well yeah he's regal he's regal and he's with a party that's seen as the party of the you know the rich <laughs> yeah and he's out of touch well, with the common man look he can't even eat a hot dog right you know you and that's know how that, you spin it yeah you know that's true it's a lose-lose situation. <laughs> so as it says, the implication behind all this is that Cameron isn't a normal human being who would presumably eat a hot dog with his hands. You see, you've got to choose. He's got to commit. If he's going to go be the man of man's with the commoner, then you just got to grab a brat or a hot dog and just shove it in your mouth. And if he's not, then get a smoothie and slurp it out of a straw. Now, I think the mayor of New York has had some problems with pizza. Yeah. Uh, Trump 
uh, Trump, Donald Trump's yeah. had some problems. He's been eating. Not, he's not the mayor, obviously, but yeah. Donald Trump in other situation eating pizza with a fork. No. He's had some problems. You pick no. up the pizza, you, just, you fold it in half, yeah, and you eat. shove it in. And, and something like pizza, iconic with, with voters in New York. And if, if these people need help coaching on food eating, give us a call. Listen to the Matt Townsend Show. I will walk them personally through how to eat a hot dog. Mm, hot dog sounds really good right now. Yeah, that's one thing I really noticed about you is you you are very photogenic when you're eating a hot dog. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and when you're eating pizza as There's well. There's a special way that you eat it and yeah, it just you you want to look young. Yep. You want to look vibrant, spry. Spry, uh you place the dog <laughs> in front of your mouth so your mouth isn't this big gaping hole. Mhm. Yeah. I always like to turn my head and lift my chin a little bit. A little profile eat. shot. Yeah, because it gets yeah. rid of the double chin and it makes you look slender while you're stuffing a dog in your mouth. So I, I just enjoy that politics is the same across the planet. That's <laughs> so true. Ridiculous things become the most important thing because of, you know, you ate a hot dog with your fork. Oh, I tell you. Isn't it crazy? Of all the things we should be worrying about, Cameron's hot dog eating habits. Please. Hey, uh, do you ever feel like clutter's getting away from you? Your life is just, you know, full of clutter. You're drowning in it. Well, we are going to change that with our next guest. When we come back, Erin Rooney Dolan's going to be joining us. She is the author of the book Unclutter Your Life in One Week. She's going to be giving us tips to, uh, to organize and to get organized. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us and we will declutter your life up next on the right here on BYU Radio. Townsend Show. Do you ever feel like uh, all of your junk is going to take you over? Are the stacks getting higher and higher? Taller? Man, got to be careful. You can die in the canyon of old newspapers. Joining us on the phone is uh, Aaron Rooney Doland. And Aaron is the author of Unclutter Your Life in One Week. She uh, tries to make that task a lot more manageable. You know, it's not easy to unclutter or declutter, and she's going to walk us through. Miss Dolan, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt, for having me. Now, you are the editor-in-chief of unclutter.com. Right, if that's not, you know, that's a hard a word cluttered to say. name right there. Yeah, <laughs> lots of T's and E's and R's. Uncluttered.com. Right, right. Unclutterer.com, somebody who um, unclutters. I've been here since 2007. Wow. I mean, that really yeah. is – it's it's a pretty common thing. It seems like as we are kind of a, the the age of consumption, everybody's purchasing, buying stuff. In fact, we have so much clutter, we have to buy storage units to hold the clutter in. Right. Stuff for our stuff. Yeah. How do yeah. we – what's going on? Is this – is this an epidemic? Are we doing what's happening to us that we need to even keep all of this stuff? Is it like, you know, mental illness really or is it kind of, you know, we just don't know what to do? Well, it, I don't know if it's good news or not, but uh we've, you know, as humans, we've been collecting and keeping for as long as we've been around and it's it's, you know, a worldwide phenomenon. It's not just 
here in the United States. And it's because we, I mean, there, there are numerous reasons, obviously, as, you know, um, as many hours in a year, but mostly what it comes down to is that you work in some way, you invest in some way to acquire things, and then it's hard to let them go, um, even if you're done with them, even if they're broken, because you've at some point invested a part of yourself into that, you know, into that object. And so it, it makes sense. Um, it, I, you know, there, there are, you know, at the extreme ends, there are people who do have, you know, diagnosable medical, um, relations, you know, uh, issues that, that come from a relationship with their things. But for most of us, it's just a, a standard investment and we have to be able to let it go, whether that be, you know, time or money or, you know, whatever it is we put in that we finally say, okay, it's time, it's time to let go. And for some people it's easier than others. How do we know when, you know, it's a real problem? Well, I'm not eager to say, you know, this is, this is a, you know, this person's house is messy. And I do fear that my friends, you know, the minute I walk in their homes, the first thing they always (laughs) do is apologize. And I'm like, oh, stop. Relax, relax. (laughs) Um, But I I think that it comes down to a self-diagnosis in terms of, is it interfering with your life? Are you distracted? Are you frustrated with the mess? Are, are you overwhelmed with the stuff? Because once that starts coming into play, then, you know, then, then it is a problem. Uh, because if, if it's causing you to divert your attention away from what really does matter to you, then that clutter is a problem. Yeah, that's the sign, isn't it? And, and if it's making it harder and harder for you to be organized, then, you know, that probably is, a, is another sign. How did you even get into this industry, Aaron? It seems like, uh, I mean, I guess, were you always good at organizing? Did you have the nice, no. perfectly clean room? Oh gosh, no, no. I have I have the the tale of um, you know stuff, and I collected everything, absolutely everything, and I wouldn't let it go. You know, if I was in New York City, walking down the street, and somebody handed me a handbill, you know, that you got keep faked. That. That's a memento. right, right. Yeah. And um, it like it it just didn't it didn't make sense to me as, you know, a younger person to let it go. And it wasn't until after I was married and I have a a wonderful husband who did never give me an ultimatum and going into the marriage, he knew how much stuff I had, (laughs) you know, but he sat me down one day and said, look, this is what I would like with my life. You know, I would like to have friends over to our house. I would like these things. And, you know, and for me, it, it really spoke to me. But of course, because I'd had, you know, a 30-year relationship with my stuff, I wasn't, you know, the next day like, great, let me just get rid of all of it. Instead, I started doing what most people do. And I thought, oh, I know, I'll get storage, you know, um, space and I'll rent that and I'll put my stuff in there or I can move some of the stuff to the car, you know, <laughs> or I can, you know, and I started coming up with these grand schemes until I was walking home from work the next day and realized the closer I got to home, the more tense I became. And, you know, I was anxious about 
you know, just even getting into the house because I knew what was there. And that was the point at which it clicked for me. And I thought, you know what? I do. I want all of those things that he wants. Plus, I don't want yeah. the stress hanging over me. And so I I started researching ways to help me let go. You know, what, yeah. what you know, how can I get, what can I get rid of? What tools don't I actually need? Could I take a single knife skills class and get rid of half of the gadgets in my kitchen? You know, things, things like that. And, and so for me, it was somebody sitting me down and not playing any sort of, you know, cards on, it's either this, you know, it's right. highway or the highway, but just saying, this is what I want. And me being able to buy into that vision and saying, you're right, I, I want that too. And um, so now we have people over, you know, our life is, <laughs> you have is a life. completely different. Yeah, And right. you have um, less stress, I guess, going home. You, you, What's beautiful about that, Aaron, is you noticed your body was telling you something's not right. And you, right. you noticed it and you paid attention to it. And then even how you solved it, you you just knew that you needed to learn skills and tools, so you went out, started looking for this information. And then what I love about your, your website is anybody that needs information, go to unclutterer.com because there's so many tools from buying a calendar, what kind of calendar to get, extreme minimalism, finances, furniture. I mean there's so many resources there, and that's what's great about living in this day and age is the resources are there. Right. And, and like I said, you know, we've been online for close to eight years. So there is rarely a topic we haven't, you know, addressed, you know, since then. And we've had um, about 15 different writers over the years who have brought their perspective and their expertise uh, to the site and, and added to it. And and so it's it's so nice because nobody writes in the, it's my way or the highway. Yeah. You know, it's all, okay, here are some ideas. Let me throw them out there. Maybe one of these will will work for you, and and that's really how it comes because our lives are so are so different. You know, I'm a mother of two. I work from home full time, and my husband works from home full time. You know, no, there are probably seven families, you know, <laughs> you know, on the planet who have an exact similar setup. You know, and so what works for us isn't going to work for, you know, a single mom. It's not going to work for um, somebody who is far more creative than I am. You know, it, it's, it's just, we've all got to find our, our, our best ways. And, and so that's what, at least at the site, what we hope to do is just get as much information out there to help as many people as we can, because nobody likes that feeling of, of just having that, I refer to it as the cloud of doom. No one wants that hanging over them. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and and, and it, it's so visual, it. isn't it? Because it's, and if you're a visual person, it's even a heavier cloud, it seems like. Oh, right, right. It's just, it's omnipresent. <laughs> well, and, and you just, feel it. we were just talking in here about how even our iPhones can get cluttered and, you know, our our mailboxes. So even now when it goes to technology, I'm sure some of the same principles you use just in decluttering a home or a closet or whatever could also be used with your phones or could be used with other technology. Oh, oh, right. I mean, my, I will admit, though, my, my uh, best unclutterer for my phone is my, my daughter. She's you know, one, and if she gets her hands on it, goodbye, <laughs> all the programs, you know, but she just starts for most deleting. of us, right, for most of us, we don't have those um, yeah. systems. <laughs> Maybe you need to rent out your daughter. Right, and exactly. People can, <laughs> they'll, she'll clean up your iPhone right away. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, 
but for for most of us, I think it's just almost remembering that that it's there, that it's bothering us. I mean, how often do we go into our email inboxes and simply just delete a piece of junk mail instead of unsubscribing right. oh, you know, right. from, from it? Or, you know, just taking the extra two seconds because it's like we're on automatic pilot. And so sometimes uncluttering is simply just stopping and realizing, oh, this is bothering me. I could I could actually live without this and without this stress and you know, so in that case, even a service like Unroll.me, um, you know, Unroll Me, but yeah. Unroll.me, it just, it, you know, it gives you two seconds of time to say, oh, I don't need that in my life and, you know, taking advantage of those types of programs. It really, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful, uh, I think, empowering part of life is to finally have some answers and then to, to, to find a way to implement it in the, into our lives. We're talking with Erin Rooney Doland. Uh, we're going to take a break. She is the author of the book, Unclutter Your Life in One Week. When we come back, we're going to start to download ideas for you to declutter and uh, how to get stuff out of your life, out of your psyche, and uh, let some of this stuff go. More with Erin Rooney Doland after this break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Do you have some uncluttering to do in your world? Are you drowning in a bunch of stuff? Erin Rooney Doland is joining us. She's the author of Unclutter Your Life in One Week. Erin is also a professional organizer. She's editor-in-chief of theunclutterer.com and has also um, been on, uh, contributes regularly to Real Simple Online has also been featured in the Washington Post, New York Times, even Rachel Ray. She's been on the Rachel Ray Show. Aaron, welcome back to the show. Are you with us, Aaron? You know, we may have lost her. One of the things I wanted to get into uh, to talk to her about is this simple idea of just a system, just to have a solution, to have a tool, anything to get us going. Uh, for example, I just switched laptops. And um, so I had one laptop I had used for three or four years, had all my information on it. Everything's there. Got a new laptop, needed somehow to get all of my passwords in, get all of my same tools up on my laptop. And it took me about 10 days to get to a point where I could use the laptop as effectively as I was my old one. We are creatures of habit and sometimes there's just simple little habits that uh, if we would make that one habit, I learned uh, teaching time management when I worked for um, a company called Franklin Covey. I used to travel the country teaching people to organize time and their life. And one of the things I learned is just do it once, right? Just do it once. We don't need to take our, you know, take our clothes off, leave them in a pile, then move the pile, then move the pile, then go wash the pile. Just when you're done with your clothes – Put them in the pile to wash them. Just that simple. Then I don't need to move it twice. A lot of these decisions we don't need to make twice. And um, Aaron Rooney Doland is joining us now. Again, the author of Unclutter Your Life in One Week. Uh, Aaron, welcome back, my friend. Thank you. Talk to us about what are some of the things that we can do immediately that would help us 
to unclutter? Well, I think I think that the first thing everybody can do is find a permanent place for their house keys. <laughs> that's I mean, that's true. How often do you spend, you know, waste, clutter up your time looking for your keys? You know, even if it's a simple hook right inside a closet doorway that, you know, that's hang them up. You're done. You know where they are. You're ready to go. Um, Another thing you can do right now is just, I mean, it's not even, you don't even have to move anything. You just have to sit down and imagine how you want something to look. And once you have a vision or an idea of how you want something to appear, it's so much easier to create that instead of, you know, starting a project not knowing where you're headed. Right. Um, And then another, let's see, another third quick tip I could give is um, simply having a coming home routine, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So in addition to hanging up your, your keys, having the process of taking the lunch out of your briefcase and pulling out um, you know, papers that you need and immediately throwing away your shredding junk mail and opening up those envelopes of things, you know, that you're carrying in your hands and writing actions on the top of them and doing things in a systematic way so that you don't, you know, come in, drop the coat on the back of the couch, put the mail on top of an end table, you know, and spread out because then you have a mess you have to clean up at some point and your energy level is uh, already drained, yeah. you know. So have the systems in place and the routines in place so every time you come home, you're taking care of stuff and then you don't have to address it again until you're ready to leave the next morning. And so I guess those three things. Those are, those are super... Permanent place keys. for the keys. Imagine, have a vision of what you want it to look like and come home and have a coming home routine. And by the way, I guess you could also... You know, when you really get advanced, then having a going away routine, you could have right. you just start adding routines to your repertoire. Right, I'm a I'm a huge believer in having you know set actions, and I know there are people out there who are, who truly believe you know if you do something the same way once, you know more than once, you are stuck in a rut. Yeah, and I I, I get that for the big things in life, but for those mindless tasks, you know, feeding of the pets every night, you know figuring out what you're going to pack in your lunch. When you have routines in place to take care of those things, you, you just barely even think about them. You waste so little energy on them, and it, it frees up your mind and your time to really focus on, you know, those bigger and cluttering projects or, you know, the bigger organizing project or whatever it is that you actually want to do with your time besides hunt for your keys. It's you know? such I – mean, and, and I, that's the one thing I've done in my life is I have a place for my keys – and it, they're always there. And I don't have right. to do the run around and, and chase it down. Talk a little bit. I know you differentiate between simplicity and simple living. Um, what, what do you mean? How, what, is, what is the difference between simplicity and simple living? Um, I don't know if there's a big difference between uh, those, those two things. I mean, you know, one, one is just living in a way – Simple living is is living in a way by which you are free of distractions, you know, and simplicity is more about, you know, the act of actually doing things. Um, The biggest difference I see is between things like minimalism and, you know, simple living. In terms of minimalism for a lot of people is almost this, you know, ascetic ideal, you know, where it's, Everything has to be sterile, right. and you know it's very much 
as limited as limited can be, almost to the point of it being a challenge um, and having no connection to any object in the material world. And that's awesome. For people who want to live that way, that is, that is truly great. That's, that's not me. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of a simple living advocate in the sense of I do find things like artwork beautiful. And, you know, I, there are things that, you know, my friends have made or my children have made or an artist, you know, I, I like that I want in my home because it, it brings me joy when I look at it. And, you know, and so I think that that's, you know, that's, that's the difference is I'm just looking for ways to get rid of distractions. I'm not advocating getting rid of things for the sake of getting rid of things. Yeah. You know, if something does have a purpose and it's useful for you in some way, well then keep that and, and use it. And, but when it's worn out, replace it, you know, <laughs> get rid of it and, and get one that will, you know, keep your life from being harder than, you know, it, it needs you know, it, it needs to be, it's like that rusty knife you inherited from grandpa, you know, when, when, you know, the man passed away, somehow you inherited it as a knife and they worked fantastic for you for many years. But, <laughs> you know, the point at which they're rusty and they're unsafe, grandpa wouldn't want you to be keeping those anymore. Right. You know, grandpa right. would want you to have safe knives, you know, and so it's time to, you know, take those to the recycling center so that, you know, the metal can be recycled and then you can go out and you can get a knife that will work efficiently and safely in your home. You know, and so that's, to me, that's, that's the difference. And, and, and so we, we get a little bit of flack, I think, from um, some minimalists uh, because we do say it's okay to spend money. You know, it's okay to buy things. But the idea is you buy them when when you need them, and yeah. you might need them because they are utilitarian, um, or you might actually need something because it it improves your overall level of happiness in terms of you know a frame for your kids' artwork is fantastic you know and in, in, in my mind so well and you just hit it too if you enjoy art, you ought to have art. And, right. you know, if you enjoy, you know, decorating a room and that makes you happy, then you could also have a room that's decorated and feel good about it. Right, right. It's, I mean, and, and like I said, it, it, I, I think it's a personal preference to where that line is. You know, um, you know, for some people, it is a lot closer to the aesthetic, the, you know, extremely minimalist lifestyle. And then for other people, they can handle a lot more clutter than I can without it bothering them, you know. And so I'm, I'm not really interested in telling people where to draw the line. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in people discovering that line for themselves and being true to that so that they're constantly able to do, you know, whatever it is that they, they want to pursue. Yes. We, we're talking with Aaron Rooney Doland, author of Unclutter Your Life in One Week. Also, uh, you got to go check out the website, unclutterer.com. Um, it, it really is a great resource to, to just, I think, just to see that there's solutions, there's tools, there's ideas. Uh, what do we do, Aaron, with kind of the overwhelm side of this? When, when we're starting to feel overwhelmed and maybe we don't know exactly where to begin – uh, do you have any ideas, any tools for us to kind of just manage maybe the psychological side of all of this? Sure. I think that I think that being overwhelmed is something that sneaks up on us. I know that sounds ridiculous, but 
how many times is it when you realize, oh my gosh, I'm totally overwhelmed, and then you look back and you realize, <laughs> I've been overwhelmed now for quite a while. Exactly. You're like, how, you know, um, so it's, it's taking that time to just stop and pay attention to how you're feeling, and I know that's that's a little touchy-feely, but, you know, I spend 15 minutes each morning drinking my coffee before anybody else in the house gets up just in silence. I just sit and I drink and I try to clear my mind as much as possible. And what I find is that what's invading those thoughts, you know, what's invading those quiet times are the things that usually are overwhelming me. Um, and so that's a good, you know, just a simple way to step back and say, okay, th- you know, this is, this is bothering me. And you asked, I mean, you talked about getting started mm-hmm. and that's actually my favorite way to get started. There are a lot of people who are like, start small with one drawer or start, you know, uh, start on a Saturday and do as much as you can. And you know, those, those ideas are, are, are fantastic. My favorite way though, is to find the one area in my house that is driving me bonkers. You know, it's the, you pull into the garage and you see that mess every time you pull into the garage <laughs> and you think, Ugh, got to do something with that. And, you know, you walk past it day after day after day. And then finally you stop and you think it would take me 25 minutes to take care of that. (laughs) You know, so I schedule on my calendar 25 minutes to take care of, of, you know, that problem and poof, it's, it's done gone. And what's fantastic about those things is one, it's obviously uncluttered and organized and yay, you know, that's, that's fantastic. But What's also nice is that it gives you motivation, um, and it also gives you the ability to see what else is bothering you. Okay, so that's out of the way. What else in my house is making me feel that way? Oh, there's a stack of stuff on the kitchen counter, and it's there every day. You know, and okay, so that's my next move. I'm going to schedule 30 minutes to take care of this problem. You know, go through this pile, see what's there, and try to figure out. You know, it's like a puzzle. Try to figure out why this is the area that keeps getting cluttered. Yeah. You know, and, and so for me, I, I like doing the, this is bothering me the most method of starting because it really gives me, you know, the energy to say, look what I can do. I can, I can take care of this. Yeah. And more bang for the buck really. Cause then you got it done and and you almost, it's kind of like paying down your debt and you're, (laughs) you use that money to use that energy that's wasted stressing about the junk and the clutter and you use it on the next big project or little project. Exactly. Right, right, exactly. And um, I, I think that that's, I, I think it's a fun way too. Now, there are a lot of people who the feeling of being overwhelmed is too much. And um, for those people, I really recommend hiring a professional organizer. And um, I think it's because there's just somebody else coming into your space mm-hmm. and they're this neutral party and they have the ability to just see things in ways that you can't. And it's so nice, even just sitting down and talking with somebody over possibilities, you know, your brain gets going, you're energized and, you know, it's not somebody you have to have an ongoing relationship with. Obviously people can, but, you know, meeting once or twice with a professional organizer can just be enough. You know, it can be that, that swift kick you need to, you know, just, just get moving. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, especially the ones who are trained through the National Association of Professional Organizers, you know, they they just seem to really know, what you know, yeah. 
what they're doing. Well, <laughs> you know, sometimes you just need the idea, right? You just need to know right. that – and I'll, sometimes I might even just need your, your, your way of seeing it or just simply your energy to say, right, okay, or, this is so easy. And in therapy, we call it normalizing, where you kind of normalize the behavior. You know, People have it. We've got it. We can deal with it. And once it's kind of normalized, then it's like, okay, I'm not a freak show. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we then you take it on. What, what's uh, what's about the average range that we would pay for somebody to come in and help us? It completely depends on where you are and how many hours you're committing to. And you know, I I know celebrity organizers who earn you know up to five hundred dollars an hour, but wow, I've yeah. never heard of anybody doing more than that. But for most people, you know, they're paying you know fifty you know, $50 an hour to somebody and the person isn't there for very long, you know, or they're paying per project. And so there's a completely different, you know, scale involved, or sometimes it's just a consultation on the phone. And, you know, that might even spark an idea. And, you know, that's, that's a $20 conversation at most, you know, like it's, it, it, there is a price involved, but at least what I have found is it's, it's money well spent if it helps you, to get past whatever the hurdle is. That's right. You know, and there's so many times when we are willing to ask for help, you know, um, because, you know, oh, I, I want to get in shape. I'm going to call a personal trainer. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, do that all the want, time. Right. Um, and I, I really feel that it's the same way. I mean, as a professional organizer, I'll admit I have taken plans of my closets, you know, to um, my professional organizing friends and said, okay, I'm thinking about this, yeah. you know, and I'll show them. And then they'll say, well, have you thought about, I'm like, oh, that's fantastic, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just another, another set of eyes to help you move along. And that's so it. I think, you know, I, I, th- I think that they're, I mean, obviously as a professional organizer, <laughs> I, you're you a little know, biased, I, but I'm a little bit biased, <laughs> but, but it I, works. You know, yeah. But I, I think that that extra push is always helpful, too. Well, Aaron, we appreciate you. And um, really, just the insight. I, in fact, I'm now motivated. I'm going to go I'm going to go hire a I'm going to just hire somebody to help me with this one thing I need done. Uh, and really, and once you're paying for it, I just notice a lot of times you get more done. We're, we've been talking with Aaron Rooney Dolan. Go to her website, unclutterer.com. And also check out that book, a great book about uncluttering your life in one week. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back giving you more ideas, more tools to live a healthier, happier life right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. I, uh, I'm officially, I'm going to hire somebody. I've got to. They'll come in. We just have a, we, I think we are a storage house for all of the junk mailers, everything, coupons, and it's just too much information, and we end up making piles. Can't you see the clutter? Oh, yeah. Can't you look at something and well, we say... we just keep resorting it and then moving it and resorting it But and can't you tell it. I need this, I don't need this, and just mm-hmm. get rid of what you don't need? Yeah. But that's, I guess, the rub. You can't. Well, yeah, I can. Oh, you can. Yeah. But the well, family but, but, can't. Like, my wife likes coupons. Okay. And so, so get buried in all coupons. these mailers come in with coupons, and then you got to keep them. 
because you're going to use them, and she uses them, so we save a lot of money. I mean, not as much as I make on Kohl's cash, right? But we save a lot. I mean, just be realistic. Because here, right? if we're going to be real yeah. and really counting money, I'm like rolling in it. So that, but that's that's the deal. But she's so organized in so many ways. Except that's, I think, just one thing that overwhelms both of us. Well, and the kicker too is is not that oh you can use this now or not. It's like in the future, it's worrying like, well, in the future, I could use this. This could come in in handy yeah, potentially. Yeah, and then that's where it gets in the process of just being sorted, putting somewhere else, and then that gives the illusion that something's being done because right. it's in a different location than it was. And see, that's the trick. And the minute you off, the minute you put off the idea of fixing it, you're you're just you know moving chairs on the Titanic. Now you're just playing the keep moving game. Instead of the fixed game, once it's fixed and like you were saying, you just sort it. The minute you get your mail, you throw half yeah. of it in the recycle bin. We just walk right to the recycle bin, doesn't even enter the house. And then you take your bills and you should put them in the bill bin and or, just, or pay them all online Yeah, and ask for everything to be online so we're not even having a paper trail. We've done, we've done a lot of that, yeah. quite a bit of that, trying to just simplify it because you don't need all this paper. Yeah, and there's all these you know records are kept online now, and so you can have those types of things. If it's really important and you want to have a paper copy, you can do that. But now there's other technologies where you can uh, kind of simplify it, right. simplify your life. Even even to the point of we use some uh, document organizing uh, technology on the show with Evernote. Yeah, and you can take a picture. Yeah, and save it. I do that a lot with a lot of documents because it's essentially it's a piece of paper with a number on it. That's right. And, and you, you need the number. Print it when you need it. So I, it's on my phone. Well, they, they even have scanners now. You just take all of your bills, put them in the scanner. They'll naturally scan them and file them for you, and then you've got them. But you're not using any more space. That's how you could save space in your house, not just clutter. You can get yeah. rid of filing cabinets, things that used to occupy so much of your, you know, just attention. Oh, it sounds like heaven because it can overwhelm you. And then let's just say you have that and let's say you have a laundry problem or yeah. let's say you have any a yard problem or a holy cow. Now everything starts to pile up and you can't just keep paying for everybody to come do it. I mean I can't. You guys probably can. A lot of you probably like to go do the well, yard. I think there's something to be said for electronic clutter too though. I mean – I wonder if even filing stuff electronically is still kind of moving chairs around the Titanic. Because it, totally it kind might. of is. Yeah. Because you're just resorting. You're moving it to a different location, right. but you're not taking care of it. Well, and again, they'll offer you all of it electronically anyway. So if you need the bill and you want to look at the bill, it's right there. But I guess what you need, though, is you need to be tech savvy enough, have the same passwords, have the same access, write this stuff down when you get it so you can get into all of these accounts. That's my problem. And I couldn't a, even get into my account today. And have a system to get rid of it when you don't need it. Yeah. You know, Delete it you know, after a month. Because there reaches a point where even like on your computer, you can't find the files that you need because there's so many files on your computer. Yeah. You need like a two terabyte hard drive just to hold everything. You know, It gets crazy. It's funny. My phone, I just got a phone that's like 64 gig phone or whatever. And my wife got a 64 gig phone and hers is full. And I'm like, what? Full of what? Full of videos. Well, delete. Well, yeah. But she'd then have to choose. Like videos which, she's taken? Uh-huh. Like if the kid's playing basketball. Let's plug it into the computer. Me when I'm working out. Stuff like that. Easter morning, I took a bunch of pictures and videos and went downstairs, uploaded them, distributed them to the ours, family, by and the I was way, done. Ours upload automatically. Phone. So yeah, they're not only 64 gig on her phone, it's 64 gig on my Dropbox. 
and it'll just keep – so I, I have a lot of room on my Dropbox and we hooked my wife's phone up to it and that space is just slowly evaporating. Yeah. But it's because she again – but she's the one taking the videos and she knows what's in the videos and they're important because that was that shot he made that won the game. You can't keep that on one device though. So. You should I, just start deleting videos and see how that goes. Well, yeah, that would – well, yeah. There's some videos of like me working out. That you know, is that code for eating Cheetos? No, 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 no. That's oh. me shirt off, lifting weights. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Too much information. <laughs> Why? Just we don't need to go there. Yeah, those videos should definitely be deleted. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Nobody should have to watch. There, that. there can't be anything good. Well, now that people... in a Matt Townsend workout video, <laughs> but that but now that people can get into my email, I'm scared because what yeah. if they pull these down? Just not good. Well, I mean, not good for me. Great for everyone else. Get those out on the internet. Public indecency. Put that on YouTube. (sighs) Declutter time. We're going to do it. Hey, folks, that's hour number two. Two hours. Hardly any pain. We'll take a break and come back with our final hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Man, we've learned so much. I've learned I need to delete those workout videos my wife took of me. And uh, I need to somehow... In fact, you better go do that now. <laughs> this is a this is a public threat. It's not a public what if threat. The, what if those get out? Hey, there's... There's workout videos all over the place of people working out. But, Ar- uh, uh, Arnold. but they're, they're coordinated. They're in shape. I mean, no offense, but... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Back it up there, pal. What do you mean, coordinated? Well... What do you mean, in shape? Both are self-explanatory. Dude, I'm super coordinated. I really am. You guys, you don't have any clue how coordinated I am. Uh, and in shape, uh, I guess it's just the shape. What shape are we talking about? Football, football shape. Pear, not watermelon. Pearish. Pumpkin. Mm, just start keep that naming. sounds good. Amoeba. Eggplant. <laughs> uh, Cheeto. Could be. A little puffed up. A little orange. Lots of air inside. Lots of air. Hey, welcome to the program. Um, you got any headlines for us before we've, you offend me anymore? We've covered several um, big stories this morning. South Carolina police officer charged and uh, arraigned already for the uh, murder of a a um, what's his name? His name was right. Walter Scott, oh. a fifty uh, year old African American man, stopped on a traffic stop. He had a broken tail light. They later found in the after the broken tail light that he had an outstanding warrant for back child support and then it escalated and the cop ended up shooting eight times in the back as he's running away. eight shots fired and he died we're not sure how many hit or what but just it turned into this crate and and the the whole story was written as originally it was reported that the cop wasn't doing this in self-defense 
And then you see the video that came out later, and that's when they arrested the guy, the the police officer, because it seemed like that was not self defense. And he seems so nonchalant. He just, yeah, yeah, just writing a ticket. Just writing a ticket. So that police officer has been arrested. He was uh, arraigned. There's video of him in the jumpsuit, standing in court. So they're they're moving. It's hard to think of any information he'd be able to give that would change change that. that. But. I mean, really, he'll have his day in court. We'll see. Yeah, uh, Ferguson had their uh, Ferguson, uh, Missouri. There we go. They had their uh, city council votes. They added two additional African American council members. Uh, total now three out of six sit on the council. Um, the 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 interesting thing was the voter turnout. Is it going to be high after all the protests and yeah. the the people looking for change and wanting change in this community? They got twenty nine percent, which is high. Yeah. For an off-year April city council, you know, it seems kind of What's their insignificant. normal percentage? They said normal is around 12%. So that's great. So they got 29%. Not and, quite. Well, that, that, I think that's, a more of a, a, that's more of a, a reflection on the nation as a whole when it comes yeah. to politics and voting is 29%. Yay, we yeah. had high voter turnout. Yeah. But see, to me, that's the, that, there's the key. That's how you create the shift, right? You got to get people out. got to get them more active in the community. Get them more involved. And I mean, you know, that takes years to probably do that. And also there was a report that Russian hackers got into the White House and the yeah. State Department computers. It was reported it wasn't necessarily that big of a deal. Well, yesterday it was reported that President Obama's itinerary was leaked out by – not leaked out, but was seen by Didn't the, some the workout that videos? Got Possibly some workout videos from President Obama. So there's some other so, issues there. So That's that, why I'm worried. Uh, Rand Paul yes, declared – He's in the game. He is going to run – um, and then his video was pulled from YouTube because they didn't get permission to run the music they were using on the video. It's probably – that should be fixed rather quickly and back up. But that's something that happens quite often is people don't ask permission to use music at campaign events and I then know. that comes back to haunt them. It's so. a price to pay, kids. Kind of interesting. Another story. Yeah. Found this yesterday. Floyd Mayweather. Yes, the great. Him and Manny Pacquiao have a fight coming up. It's coming supposed up. supposed to be the fight to end all fights. $100 million or whatever. He has customized. He had a customized mouth guard made, cost him twenty five thousand dollars. And we're talking about the plastic yeah. mouthpiece they you use. You mean the ones that like I buy and put in a and heat them up and then put them in my child's mouth? Yes, for uh, two bucks. Yes, for two bucks. He paid twenty five thousand dollars. Wow. Uh, it contains diamonds, gold, and one hundred dollar bills. Gross. Yes. He uh, also added such flares: gold flecks, diamond dust. And they took the $100 bills, they chopped them up, and put them in the mouth guards. I guess that will feel different when Pacquiao's right hook is crushing his yeah. lip against his mouth guard. So $25,000. That's crazy. For these mouth guards. And then he takes one hundred, several $100 bills, they chop them up, and then put them in the mouth guard. So then when he smiles, you see diamonds or gold or, I guess, is he random be pieces of paper. smiling a lot, I guess? I mean, don't they take their mouth guard off for the interview? Well, yeah. So that was a waste. No. Hey, put it in my pocket. It's not a waste. This is Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. He has more, so it doesn't matter to him. I mean, he should have just spent it all in his trunks. And if you would like, you could purchase some of these designs <laughs> for your, your mouth guard. The you do- dollar bills in The it. doctor that crafted these for him, the oral yeah. surgeon, I guess, that crafted these for him, his website, you can buy them for 230 bucks. Really? So I'm not sure why it costs so much for Well, gold, he has gold and and diamonds. Mine I guess would probably be more like uh 
uh, I don't know, probably dollar Cubic bills. And yeah. And iron even pyrite. Pyrite. Some pyrite. <laughs> Fool's gold. Also probably – I'm sure it would have to have some copper. Yes. So mine would be all coppery. More, more dangerous metals. Dirty dollar with <laughs> lead vanity on it. <laughs> Excellent. Lead paint. <laughs> paint chips. Mm. So just sort of extreme there. Did you hear about the Burger King wedding? No, but James, listen, this could be a big deal. Burger King is paying the expense and providing gifts for the wedding of an Illinois couple with an interesting connection to the fast food chain. Joel Burger and Ashley King accepted the company's proposal <laughs> on Monday. The couple announced their engagement this spring with a photo next to the sign at their local restaurant. They're leaning on the sign. and blah, Cute. Blah, blah. Uh, the merger of Burger and King. They'll be married July 17th, but Burger King is going to provide crowns oh, for them. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And they ask that they just they live happily ever after. Do they get free food? They're going to cater. Ooh, nothing, you know, nothing says wedding <laughs> better than char-broiled hamburgers. Mm. Have it your way. Now, the problem is that I see in this because yes. I'm, I'm cynical. You are a cynic. Burger King jumps in like they're they're doing this benevolent thing helping right. out when essentially they're just trying to benefit on some marketing that costs a lot less than, yeah. you know, well, see, you I just what, read the article. Right? There is a – there is a, in the contract, they have to name their first child Whopper. Or Whopper Jr. Or Whopper Jr. Well, yeah, it'll be Jr. till it's older. Right. Whopper. That's crazy. James, nope. are you interested? Well, I'm trying to think of any companies that uh, have the name Birdsall on them or, or something like that. Birdsong uh, is a stir-fry company. Okay. They it's close. Cater. It's not the same. but We could do like – is it Birdsong or Bird's Eye? Maybe it's Bird's Eye. I don't know that you want Bird's Eye. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you could get a bird feeder. That could be cool. Uh, you could probably have a mixture between a bird feeder and a Sawzall. Bird saws all. These are great ideas. So what I'll do – These I'll, are free by the way. I'll contact the company and say, hey, I got a huge marketing opportunity for you. Huge. You can cater my wedding with bird feeders. We'll even talk about it once on BYU Radio. Just once. Just once. And this is it. This is the moment. That This was the moment. Yeah. That, see, that was the moment the idea was born. Yep. Copyright. Copyright. Trademark that. Okay. Put that on a meme. Send it out. What uh, what would your fiance think of that? I mean, she's already got the food truck coming. What if it was just a Whopper truck and Burger King, and the, and they were providing? Would you, if you could get free hamburgers and fries for everybody in the wedding party, would you serve that? I really don't know at this point. But, well, because like I I would like that it was free catering and everything. You would but like that? I don't know. Charboiled burgers mm. at a reception. Oh man, what if they could be like custom made to your liking? That could be cool, actually. Yeah. Hey, do you want onions on that? No, no, no onions, but double the pickles. Okay. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Uh, you can have it your way. I think it's beautiful. If any, if any vendor wants to pay for James's wedding, send us some free samples first, and then we'll choose the vendor. So we don't have to have. A garden hose and, and donuts. Out oh, of no, no, no. I do that too. Oh, okay. In addition to the garden hose uh-huh. and okay. the donuts. And it it the sticks with the theme. Yeah. Kind oh, of a potluck. It's yes. a white, classy, not white, trashy, white, classy wedding. Very posh. A posh, white, classy wedding by the Bird Sawzall family. <laughs> cheap, cheap, cheap. 
This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're taking a break, my friends. When we come back, what if I told you that there is new technology that can actually read your brain? They put this little uh, scanner thing on your head, and it you can move objects on your computer just by thinking about it. It's the real deal, my friends. We're going to come back and talk to Kim Du, uh, who is a, a researcher and vice president of corporate development, talking about this new product, man, cutting edge, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I love that song. Mm. Um, on the show, you know, we like to give you latest technology ideas, also just the tools you need to uh, find a better world and maybe even see a better world. What if you were a quadriplegic in a wheelchair and you wanted the freedom to be able to move your chair just by thinking about it? So if you want to go right, you just think, I'm going to turn right, and we turn your chair right, and then you need to just go forward, and you go forward. How powerful would it be if you could just think and make something happen? Well, guess what, my friends? The technology now exists to do that, and our guest, Kim Du, is going to be talking to us about it. She is the Vice President of Corporate Development at Emotive which is a bioinformatics company. It offers this unique platform where uh, that kind of combines brain research with just your day-to-day technologies. What if just by putting this headset on, and it's not actually too intrusive, it's not like a major helmet, it's just like a, it's kind of like a headband with a few prongs on it. I don't know how to explain it. We'll let her do the explaining. But what if you could just put that on and change your channel, sort your email, Powerful, powerful tool. Kim Du is joining us. Kim, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi, Matt. How are you? Uh, I'm doing excellent, and I loved your TED Talk. There's a TEDx talk that you did about your this new technology. Now, now just teach us, kind of in layman's terms, wh- what is it that you're offering in this emotive technology? Sure. So actually, the TED Talk was our CEO, Tom Lee, um, but... Uh, Oh, weren't you, you were, weren't you on a TED Talk where the guy practiced it? No, that wasn't me. That was our CEO. But, oh, um, that was? Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no worries at all. Um, so Emotive, like you said, is a bioinformatics company. What we offer is technology that brings brain research out of the lab or a clinical space into the world. Um, traditional electroencephalograms are... Um, a cumbersome, they're very expensive, they require specialist knowledge, and um, the user to sit very still, wear a hairnet, um, well, oftentimes there's skin abrasion and uh, conductive gel used, and it's quite an uncomfortable experience. Um, what we've created is a portable wireless system that's like you mentioned, comfortable to wear um, and intrusive and allows you to collect data in your dynamic everyday um, experiences. And everybody's different, right? So the neat thing it seems like with this technology is you put the you put the headset on and then you, you have to kind of go through just a, a little calibration that only takes, you know, a few seconds 
and they they pulled somebody up from the audience basically put this instrument on got it set and within i don't know a minute this this audience member was able to move an object on a computer screen by just thinking about it correct correct so um so what it does is it measures our um uh electrical patterns that we emit when the neurons in our brain um, interact with each other, and there's a chemical reaction that provides the um, electrical impulses. What we're doing is measuring that. Uh, so when you do a mental command where you're controlling a virtual object with your mind, what are, um, we're doing is observing those electrical impulses, um, recording them through our software, and then using that as a trigger to be able to move the object based on first a neutral setting to create a baseline and then a recording for a push or a pull or a disappear action Hmm. uh, that can be translated into, like you mentioned, moving a wheelchair or turning lighting on and off. Oh, it really, I think it has so much powerful real-world application down the road. One of the things that's interesting about the TED Talk as well is – you know, a lot of times we think that technology is weakening our mind, but in the use of your technology, he he, it wasn't easy to make um, something happen. I mean, it, it, certain things are easier to make happen because your brain can kind of naturally move something to the left or move something to the right. But she asked him to just think about this image to disappearing. And at mm-hmm. first he couldn't get it, but you could see that he was trying and it would start to fade. But And he was even – he kept saying, oh, I'm having a hard time concentrating. What's interesting about the technology is it actually might even help us be more uh, able to concentrate in a way, more focused on our own thinking. Absolutely. So you know, wearable technology is promising to be able to give us the data, give us the information to be able to make um, – decisions that will improve our quality of life and how we interact with our different environments. Uh, Up until now, there's only been wearable devices that track our physical health. Yeah. And, and, you know, what we're looking to do is provide um, tools and systems to be able to provide you with insights into your cognitive health. We're living longer and, um, you know, our neurological condition is becoming more important to us and more front of mind. Yeah. so, you know, being able to improve how we learn, being able to focus, uh, the mental commands is a way to be able to improve that um, ability, uh, to be able to uh, leave out uh, and block out any distractions and, and attention um, is important. Being able to access and understand how your brain is changing, how your brain is learning um, will be able to provide you with the, the ability to improve. Hmm. Well, and just to get this feedback in in accessing your own thinking, I mean, there was something just so miraculous, I think, about watching this man think about moving this cube and it moves. And all of a sudden, just your thoughts have this power. It, is, it seems like there would be some great medical uses, I guess, other than even the wheelchair. What are some of the healthcare or uh, you know, maybe rehabilitative uses that you guys are hoping for or trying to work towards? Sure. So um, the motor systems aren't medically approved devices at this time. Um, they're not FDA approved, but we've seen many different um, proof of concept apps uh, and uh, applications in terms of studies. 
So we've worked with various groups like um, the RCA to be able to understand inattention um, in driver safety. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, you, that's huge. Just your kids having to practice and 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 maintain focus on something that would be powerful as well. I mean, I could see use for ADD, attention deficit training. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things. There's there's applications available now that uh, are part of research groups to be able to observe, learn, and improve. Um, you know, learning, uh, especially with cases where ADD, ADHD. Does um, I, I imagine the video game world would eat this up? <laughs> so it seems like that's where all the money is going to go be made immediately. Is is just you put a headset on these gamers? Uh, that's that's going to change everything about the play. Yeah, neural gaming is something that's you know starting to emerge. I mean, gameplay that can adapt to you know your levels of um, emotion detections. Like if the headset detects that you're frustrated, maybe the the level of the game changes, or the music in the game changes uh, and shifts to be able to relax you. Um, there's quite a few different uh, inputs that we are able to interpret the data and and apply that to the different use cases, like um, playing video games. Yeah, oh, I think it's fantastic. And um, one concept that I would love to see is because, in fact, I dealt with it last night in one of my classes. Um, is is being able to re- receive this biofeedback on how a conversation is making you feel and react to the person you're talking to. I have a lot of couples I work <laughs> with that fight, right? And if all of a sudden I could have a device on their head where they could start seeing what's happening as they're talking and even start managing their impulse control, I mean, this is a tool that could do that. Yeah, there's there's lots of you know use cases in using... Um, neurofeedback and neurotherapies to be able to work with, um, you know, couples therapy as well as, you know, using <laughs> it potentially for uh, addressing PTSD. Yeah. Oh, I, there's going to be a day that, you know, one wife's going to say, no, we need to buy the emotive. We need it. <laughs> you need to know how messed up you are. Let's get this on you. Um, let's take a break. We're talking to Kim Du, who is the vice president of corporate development at Emotive, which is a bioinformatics company. They've put together this, I think, just incredible interface. It's a headset that you wear that can read your, you know, your brain, and then it can take it, uh, take that information, and through an algorithm, can start to create movement and change in the digital world on our screens or or whatever we have that we're interfacing with. We'll take a break. We'll come right back more on this incredible technology right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Townsend Show. Hey, today we are uh, talking about just some, I think, cutting-edge technology, groundbreaking. Imagine a headset, not a huge, you know, not a big helmet, just a little headset that um, can read your mind, that can evaluate your feelings, that can actually take your facial expressions 
and see, you know, and actually move you and, and make, you know, something happen either on your screen or uh, maybe in a wheelchair. Powerful, powerful tool. And Kim Du is joining us. The name of the tool is uh, it's called Emotive. She is the vice president of corporate development at Emotive. And uh, it's a bioinformatics company. And what we're trying to do is what they're trying to do is see if we can't use the brain and let the brain do the work, just basic thinking, letting the thought guide certain activities uh, in our lives. Uh, welcome back, Kim. So great to have you on the show. Thank you. Is I mean, it must be really fun to be at your company. And to, Absolutely. <laughs> to see that what – I mean, every day there's got to be just a new – interface or a new a new thing coming out yeah we're really excited to be able to partner with different uh companies universities research um groups to be able to work on um some um amazing and wonderful applications is there is there uh like what's the time to market how long is it going to take before we all start seeing a device like this coming out with our video games or in the real in the real world? Well, hopefully now. So we've actually had our Emotive Epoch, our first-gen device, out to market since December of 2009. And we've mainly seen that used as a scientific contextualized EEG system for research. Uh, um, and what we're looking to do is uh, launch our Emotive Insight, our second-gen device, which is a brain activity tracker later this fall. Uh, and we're looking at that as a use case for everyday people to be able to better understand how their brain is changing, um, being able to track their cognitive health, and then on the fun side, being able to control objects with their mind. Because hmm. I, I know the kind of these EEG devices could cost you know, tens of thousands of dollars, but your the price point on the one that was on the TED Talk was like two hundred and something dollars. It's very affordable. Yeah. yeah, very affordable. I mean, that's one of the ways that we feel that we'll be able to impact brain research. Uh, being able to have technology that is affordable and while widely accessible um, will lead to more understanding of the brain. Um, more, uh, you know, innovative technologies and applications, um, which will make it so that um, we will be able to um, bring research and um, and um, you know support to maybe areas that are um, that don't have access to to these um, hospitals and clinics. Well, I, I think it's pretty fascinating. And again, you, we see Google Glasses. We see all of these different things that are coming out. And to just know, though, that all of a sudden we could start taking something as simple as our own thinking, our own biofeedback, our own biometrics, and use that to inter- to integrate ourselves with other devices, other technologies, and even to, to be able to go free somebody, for example – in a wheelchair that they can just think their way like the rest of us do. We don't – we're not always saying, okay, right leg forward, left leg forward. (laughs) We just do it. And boy, how freeing the day that you can just get in a wheelchair and just think your way to the elevator, think your way to the 
to the next meeting. Or all these exoskeletons. I, I just saw an exoskeleton that they put on to somebody that was a paraplegic and he could walk using the an exoskeleton and a device that would kind of keep him up and walking. How powerful the day he just needs to think about it as well. I mean, you're 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 going to be changing a lot of lives. Exactly. I mean, the the implications of these new technologies on the special needs community is, is huge. I mean, we recently worked on a project with Accenture and Philips to create a proof of concept app for ALS patients, hmm. um, allowing them to be able to shift uh, their lighting um, or their TV or making an emergency phone call. I mean, advanced stages of ALS, you aren't able to move, you're confined to a bed. Um, Oftentimes you can't speak. And so relying on a caretaker to anticipate your needs could often be, you know, this treacherous 15 to 30 minute wait time. Whereas with this technology, you can actually think, dim the lights and the the lighting will shift. Oh, wow. You can actually rest. Yeah. Um, that kind of independence, I mean, you can't really put a press on. No, no. Oh, no. And and again, I, that's why I think the future is so, so promising. Kim Do, we appreciate you and uh, the work that they're doing there at Emotive. Uh, and, and just keep it up and keep uh, keep us informed. Wow, really, really powerful. And when you think about it, folks, we can – everybody can be down on technology but all of a sudden, and on the show, we in the last couple months, we've had so many examples of bionics and all of these other ways that uh, science and technology are advancing. But just the most basic functions can now be brought um, to the, to the to those that are disabled, to those that haven't had the chance. I also think the power of understanding our own biometric and having some method of receiving the feedback more regularly. Seriously, last night we talked for about an hour and a half with probably 18 couples who are all struggling having a basic conversation. And what we ended up talking a lot about is, so how do I, what happens when I start getting reactive and I want to fight and he wants to run and how do we control that? And the whole time I was thinking, oh, if we just had a tool that could alert us to what we're feeling and help us pay attention to it and um, and just help us notice what's going on, I think uh, I think there's a lot of promise in everything, our relationships, our life, and everything we've got going on. So you know what? Maybe don't just give up on all this technology. If you're a little more advanced in age, find a way. Get a cell phone. Start doing what you can with apps to learn so that you can keep up with it. I mean, she was even just talking about, you know, products for the aging, those that want to keep their brain more sharp, uh, certain activities and apps that will be out within, um, you know, very soon that might just help you stay stay on top of your game. Don't give up on technology. And again, the, the phone companies, you know, Apple, Samsung, these companies make it a lot easier to access this information and to get the apps. So it might be a nice thing to just keep working on. Anyway, that's it, folks. Technology. Pretty simple little thing, huh? Here, you know, on the Matt Townsend Show, trying to give you the tools. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, (laughs) we're going to BYU Sports Nation. I was going to say, speaking of tools, we're going to go to, no, we're going to go see and talk, I guess. I'll get to see him. You'll just get to hear him. Two great guys, Spencer Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, are going to be joining us from BYU Sports Nation. We're going to find out what's coming up a little bit later on their show 
see uh, you know see what's in their mind. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I see some trouble on the way. <laughs> this music is dedicated to our next uh, segment, BYU Sports Nation. You all know them. They'll be up at the top of the hour. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan. Welcome to the show, my friends. Thank you. That Thanks mu- for the new music, too. That was for you. That was dedicated. Now, it wasn't as, uh, you know, hard rock. What, what do you like? Uh, death metal? Death metal. <laughs> Not a lot of death metal in that one. <laughs> But I actually hate death metal, but you well, know. it's deadly. Yes, and metally. Hey, um, what are you guys doing down there? As I'm watching, you, it seems like you're always just kind of primping. Uh, that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> primping is that the word? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that the right? Jerem, word? Jerem's primping consists of buttoning his top button. <laughs> yeah, he's all dressed up. I am what I am, and then he's ready to go. So, you guys, I'm telling you. See, that's why you need to be in the radio world alone, no TV, because then I'm up here just in a, you know, pair of, shorts. you know, cut off jeans, in your frayed. Shorts. Hey, yeah. we remember, we remember, we were in Studio 2 for the first uh, six months of BYU Sports Nation, were no you? TV. So you remember that? Oh, yeah. Those were the glory we'd days. We'd bring in a, we had a little basketball hoop we'd bring in there and just dunk on it during the breaks and stuff. <laughs> wow. Would you really? We don't, we don't ever leave our chair. It's we weird. may or may have not done that. <laughs> Hey, did we you hear? Did, did you hear the good news? Um, uh, have you guys ever heard of Joel Berger and Ashley King? Joel Berger and Ashley King. Yeah, Megatron. Let me scan the memory. Nope, they're getting married, and uh, the couple announced their engagement this spring. And you won't believe, but a, a, a major hamburger chain, Burger King, is going to pay all of the expenses and gifts and everything for their wedding because it's the it's the merger of Joel Berger and Ashley King. Oh. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Is his name Have it spelled, your way. Is his name spelled B E R G E R? Burger. No, like the real burger. B U R. Like the real burger. I've never seen that. The Burger King wedding. Yeah, I think it's a ploy. <laughs> Flame broiled awesomeness. That's what you're saying. Like, how beautiful would that wedding smell? Whoppers for days. <laughs> Do you guys awesome. smell They're whoppers? <laughs> they, yeah, the, the catering. That we, hey, we, uh, there's we, complimentary hamburgers over there. Who I'll wants the onions? <laughs> the, the the king mascots just yeah trouncing oh, around. That guy's scary. Yeah, anymore. the creepy. He's creepy. A couple of years ago, though, they, they did some awesome commercials during the NFL playoffs, where, where yeah. they they superimposed him over uh, a player. Where it looked so Steve Young had this crazy run against the Vikings in the nineties, where he ran you know all over the place and avoided all these tackles. So it's the king, and he's <laughs> the guy that's doing it. It was so awesome. See that's um, that that means everyone would get crowns. Everyone gets you know a free five piece nugget. It's good. Yeah, that would be awesome. What else do you need in the world? Hey guys, are you still doing your show today? Uh, we were thinking about it. Uh, do you have any topics you're going to be presenting? Anything that you want to you know tell the viewers or the listeners? Amazingly, we do. Wow, what? And it starts with some news that was released uh, by Dennis Dodds of CBS. What? Is Jerem um, expecting? Uh, no. Okay, just checking. Nope. That is that. Me personally? No, your no, family, your not. wife. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought we were making news here. Okay. No. Nope. Okay, keep going. What? 
There's there has been this long standing hope that BYU would at some point get invited to the Big Twelve. Sure. And after the Big Twelve was left out of the college football playoff, playoff. Um, there was this notion that oh they've got to expand to 12 teams because they don't have a conference championship game and BYU is the best candidate for it and then like it just went bonkers yeah uh in late December but but nothing happened and it became clear that the Big 12 was happy with their financial situation and only splitting revenues among 10 teams instead of 12 and the one thing that they wanted was the ability to have a championship game with 10 teams in the conference instead of the mandatory 12 that had been established uh, for NCAA football. Well, yesterday we find out that there's a great chance that those rules are going to be, uh, what was the word uh, they used? Relaxed. Relaxed. And that the Big 12 can have a championship game with 10 teams, uh, most likely starting in 2016. So then it's like BYU fans were like, oh, no, we're never getting the Big yeah. 12. Our, our conversation today is, what were the chances before the news? I don't think it's changed that much. Yeah, man. maybe maybe it hasn't, huh? Maybe it's just you just have to give up that argument. Yeah, I don't think that it is. The, I mean, the sky was it was a sky is falling moment, and you know, and it kind right. of blew up on Twitter. And it's like, well, I don't think that the chances were great even before that. Hmm. Is, is this is you guys got to solve this? We do. Yeah, this is your show. Come on, solve it. <laughs> Somehow you got on our show. We always give solutions. So you guys, I'll are, solve it for you. Mormons <laughs> always want to do their own thing. Listen, you're gonna That's you're gonna true. persecute us in Missouri. We're out. We're gonna go to we're Mexico. Gone. We're going to go to the Rocky Mountains, man. That so, was independence for BYU football. So that's it. So so really, that's you're just saying we're just playing. We're just going to go over here and then eventually make us a straight. That'd be nice. They're and still in a good. Later. They're still in a good place. They are. Is it? Yeah. Is it great? No. Is it bad? No. It's it's the best for now. Stuff st- pieces will move, and then BYU will react if needs be later. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this could be when when the TV contracts end in 2019 ish. Related to the college football playoff and/or with Power Five conferences, then moves might happen, and if they do, BYU will be in the conversation. They will, but BYU wants to be on ESPN. They want to a- have access with BYU TV uh, and everything that we provide here. Uh, they won't play on Sunday. Um, all of these things, mm. so it makes it a little more difficult when someone comes knocking and says, "Hey, can you? We want you to join the conference, but I'm not sure that we can afford you all of these luxuries that you would like." You're always a little high maintenance that way. Well, and maybe that's it. Maybe the, the we just need to be different that way. You know? we, yeah, I mean, the we're, fact we're we can't extremely play on stubborn people. Like yeah. we think that we have a way of doing things, and that's the way that we need to do it. But mm-hmm. if you're going to fit into a big group, sometimes you have to you give play, into the group. <laughs> you got to play with the others, right? Is playing on ESPN more important than being in a conference? This is a question BYU has to answer at yes. some point in the future. Oh, so you guys are going to have to answer it today on your show. Hopefully that conference has a contract with ESPN and all is well, and it's good. But BYU in a better situation than being in the Mountain West, they feel in football. Mm. I agree. See, that is the that right there. That's the analysis that you get on your show. That's the whole show. I'm out. That's it. So he's Wait, now we have done. To do, we have to do a show. We have to show do an hour-long yeah, show. you got to go do your show. He's done all of his talking. Jerem's uh, talked out. <laughs> it's your turn, Spencer. Carry the show. I feel bad for those that have to rely solely on me. <laughs> no, it'll be great. Have a great show, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Doctor Matt. You bet. Take care. Wow, that is uh, that's true though. That's we BYU. We're always been a little different. So why not be that way in sports? Why not be that way in football? And, you know, it might be more valuable to do it the way we're doing, even though the fans may not love it or, you know, it may not get us to these championships. And I guess, you know, maybe it's not about the championship.
That's scary. Who would ever talk that way? That, that's the other side of it is what are you playing for when you get to November? And well, it's, I mean, you're you're playing to represent an ideal, represent a school, represent a – For fans buying tickets, what's the point when you know they're going to some bowl game in Florida and they've known that since September? Yeah. Well – you're watching them play some team at 8 o'clock at night on ESPN. It's 20 degrees outside. You see, the irony is they did that for 30 years in the WAC or 20 years yeah, or whatever. And absolutely. everyone was jazzed those, with this. Those awesome games versus yeah. Wyoming. And that that kind of illusion that they could somehow make it happen. Yeah. So we can we can easily keep the illusion alive. Well, I, I guess the other thing was you'd get down to the end of the season and they're competing for – going to a better bowl game, trying right, to better right. their situation, yeah. whereas now you lose a game and you're you're set, you know where you're headed. But but isn't it you interesting know? though, if we dominated dominated, you'd probably get and we had a great schedule, which would be hard if yeah. you're not li- aligned with the Bulls or aligned with these groups. It seems like if you dominated, you'd get to prove your goods. Right? Yeah. Even as an independent. Yeah. But you have to dominate. Yeah, you have to. So everyone yeah, beat wants everyone. The, everyone wants the conditions right. Then we'll dominate. Yeah, I would just dominate. I mean, call me old fashioned. Yeah, but Notre Dame did that for years, and it, it was just being dominant that made you have write your ticket and you get your reputation. Yeah. So no, it's it's an interesting uh, discussion. They have it quite a bit on that show, obviously, because of their uh, their subject matter. But it is. I mean, at what point does it matter? To be in a conference. Do you want to tie yourself into that situation? Right. Is it something you enjoy independence? BYU has to, to weigh those odds, but well, I think in the they end, don't have to decide that because no yeah, one's offering. That's right. So, so if there's not an option there, then let's just go with what we can control and just win. Let's just win. And let's get the best schedule we can. And that's hard. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're playing Idaho teams. State. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, great. No. Yeah. But I'll if, go mow the lawn. But I guess if you're playing Idaho State, that's not ideal. But then when you go play Texas, you win. Yeah. Well, you just got to win. On years at Texas is brutal. You, yeah, and when you play, but then when, when they play brutal, then we got to win them when we're brutal. I yeah. just think, I don't know. You, you can keep wishing for something different, but this is what we've got, and it doesn't seem to change. Man, now I'm doing sports analysis. There you go. But the, here's what I learned in corporate America. Ooh, superior performance fosters independence of action. You want to be a top performer? Sounds like a T-shirt. Then put that on a meme. Yeah, or meme it. You want to be – you want freedom in your world no matter what it is, then perform at a superior level. If you're the best salesperson in the company, write your ticket. Right. You can do whatever the, you want. If you're the best at what you do, write your ticket. Every, it might. It almost sounds like we want everyone to write the ticket first, then we'll become superior. No, it doesn't work that way, folks. Anyway, just another little human development you know, ditty right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Remember, on the show, our goal is to help you find the good in the world. We can't do the show without you. So download it. Go to iTunes. Find our podcast. Pull it up. Go to byuradio.org if you want to live stream it or if you also want to get into the archives. Lots of ways to listen to it. But if you heard something on the show today, pass it on. Just go find it on iTunes. Download the podcast. Send it to your friends that needed to hear it. Good, good stuff. Appreciate you joining us. We'll be back tomorrow again. More ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world, hopefully to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Until tomorrow, we'll talk again. Take care. 